Hi, I'm Liliana Tandon, starring in A Ring for Christmas on Up TV, um, wishing everybody a very happy holiday and everyone a happy good riddance to 2020. We're almost there. (laughs) The Below the Belt show is closed captioned for the hearing impaired. It is now time for the bad boys of Baltimore. Pips up, goes down. After this week uh, in 2021, as we bid farewell or good riddance to some people to 2021, um, um, you know, the holiday season is a little better than last year um, because, you know, the world's a little more open up now. I remember uh, the Christmas show from last year. Things are a little different, but nonetheless, it's all about good cheer, good cocktails. And celebrating in the holiday spirit, guys. I'm your host, Al Soto, a.k.a. Celebrity Soto, your host with the most here for your weekly pleasure, guys. Let's go ahead and introduce the Holly Jolly virtual room, if you will. Uh, Starting with, that's right, he is the king of the 80s, the demotivational speaker, the one and only Chachi McFly. What's going on? Feels good to be back. It's been a few minutes. It has been a few minutes. Good to have you back, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yes. Let's also, let's welcome to BTB. She is affectionately known as Your Grace. Um, She's also known as Miss LST. (laughs) She's also known as Every Daenerys Catchphrase. Mother of Dragons, Queen Indian Bird, Queen of the Andals, blah, blah, blah. Break, breaker of chains. <laughs> <laughs> she is also the new host of our friend Chad Morton's new Hollywood YouTube show called Hollywood Smash. We got Morgan yes. Fabulous. Morgan Fab, welcome back. Great to be here. It's been a minute, but we're here. We're doing the damn thing. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Merry Happy Christmas. Holidays. Yes. Happy holidays. All right. yeah, I, already, I already yelled at Morgan for trying to um, steal our shit. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's not the same. <laughs> I know, right? I'm no, we're happy. Oh, uh, Morgan. Um, we're going to get to Hollywood Smash in a second. Let's go ahead and introduce the rest of the panel. All right. He is the once and future king. He is the last Numenorian. He is a uh, one true knight. He is Martin Lopez. Welcome back, Martin. Good. Thank you. Good to be here. As you yeah. now know, I already received my Christmas present. I'm dating Margot Robbie. 
Oh, 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 oh wow. <laughs> you got to run that one in, huh? <laughs> you got to run that one in. It was actually a- 2021 has hey, been a good year for some of us. It's a good year for the Once and Future King, right? <laughs> As it was a pleasure to meet Mar- your Margot Robbie. Bad to unwrap it all. Yeah. <laughs> it was a pleasure to meet her, Martin, and congratulations. She's a solid girl. Yeah, that's awesome, man. All right. <laughs> Welcoming on Below the Belt show. She's the one and only voiceover actress extraordinaire and great mom. She's the one and only, the adorable one, Allie Dash, back on BTV. <laughs> Hey guys! <laughs> Hello. Hi, I Allie. actually brought wine today. Yay! Oh. Does, mm-hmm. does everybody have a spirited beverage? Uh, I've got water not? with fruit in it. Okay. Ooh, that sounds yummy too. Uh, 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 I got <laughs> trying to be good. Bullet bourbon on the rocks. As I sit in my hotel in Richmond, Virginia, even though it looks like a uh, Rockefeller it's, Center behind me. It does. It looks just like New York. It, it is New York. <laughs> Like, I think Allie is, like, like getting interrogated where she's at. I know. I'm trying. I've been trying to fix. We got a new laptop, and literally, like, I was a few minutes late because I'm like, this looks like shit. And I lost my um, the th- my, uh, light thing. Um, I can't. It's somewhere oh. in the house. But oh, okay, okay. I'm like, this looks like shit. I don't know how to fix it. <laughs> being, being interrogated. I know. Come on, Allie. Where's the money? Where's the money hidden at? Tell us. It's like a really <laughs> shitty camera in this new laptop. Uh, okay, well, nonetheless, you're still looking like the adorable one, so that's yes, important. Yes, you are. But um, let, let's go ahead and uh, what we alluded to a little earlier, that Morgan Fab uh, is a now um, a YouTube host of Hollywood Smash, and uh, it's our friend Chad Morton from Smash Entertainment who produced the film What Definitely's Behind that I had a pleasure of working on. He's got an upcoming film called The Realtor, and of course... Um, he's got the Hollywood smash and he reached out mm-hmm. to me about you, Morgan Fab. He, you were handpicked. I mean, that's, that's awesome. And, uh, I all, I really appreciate that. Al, look at, look at all the things you're doing for people, getting, getting me jobs, getting me connected. <laughs> right. Congratulations. Um, that's awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Chad, Chad is, he's, I mean, he's got his hands in like, so many different things and yes he does uh, they have he and um the other guys in his crew are do they also have something just through smash entertainment which is like a sports report have you seen that al i have it's like i a, have it's like a, sport, a rundown it's like a week. of all the big yeah. uh sports games inclu- yeah. including the ravens they think just just yeah. covered uh um the bottom ravens game versus so, uh, the browns so they do a weekly they do a weekly thing of that and then Chad was like, we want to start doing a Hollywood recap. Um, so I think it's going to be every other week. Um, we'll be interviewing people in the area or, you know, people across the uh, United States in music, entertainment, fashion. Okay. I think I think next week we're going to be interviewing um, a local D.C. fashion designer. Um that's just one of the things off the top of off the top of my head that we're gonna be doing. But um, yeah, I mean it's we, it was the first one, so more to come. Very exciting. That's awesome. And you well, let me it. know when you reach twenty one years, and then I'll be impressed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'll let you know. Yes, you Thank can go you. to Smash Entertainment's official YouTube page. Just simply search for us, uh, Smash Entertainment, and we'll come up. 
Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and of course, shout out to like Chad. Like and subscribe. Like and yes. subscribe. Like, subscribe. Like, yes. Click, like, share, and subscribe. <laughs> right. Smash that like button. I love it. I love it. And well, it is a Christmas show, guys. So I, I, I thought it'd be cool. We want to start incorporating, you know, some more topics that are a little more broad. Um, and I asked everyone to think of their favorite Christmas movie or Christmas special, you know, that you love to watch every year. It doesn't matter how many times you watched it. Um, what is everybody's favorite Christmas uh, movie, maybe animated special that just, just really just resonates with you every holiday season? Um, Chachi McFly, can we start with you? You can. And as you can see from my background yeah. here, um, <laughs> I people, think, you I think know, we can tell on the Skype. You know, people at home won't be able to tell, but it's definitely a Christmas vacation, which is my all-time favorite Christmas movie. It's such a classic, quotable movie. Um, you know, written, um, directed, I think even produced by John Hughes. And the movie has a ton of heart for a Christmas movie, but then just like such great jokes throughout the whole thing. And, and so Cousin good. Eddie is hilarious. Um, there's so many different um, gags with the, the lights not lighting on the house. Um, and I think the movie has really just has become bigger and bigger every season. You know, it it was released. It, it wasn't like it didn't do like super great at the box office as like a lot of movies back in the day um, did not, you know, but then really has become a you know, I guess bigger than a cult classic throughout the years where you just see a ton of merchandise for it every mm-hmm. holiday season. You see the um, the moose, um, the Mari the Moose mugs that Clark was drinking eggnog out of. They sell those. You know, it's um, probably one of the, it's definitely one of the biggest um, Christmas movies ever. You know, like a, a Christmas story is super huge. It's another one that wasn't, you know, wasn't popular at the box office, but then just took off a whole new um you know, whole new status throughout the years. I've never and seen it. I'm going to have to see it. Wow, it does. You are missing out. <laughs> I had it on my watch list for this month. Well, have you seen any Christmas, I mean, any of the vacation movies? No, I don't. I don't even know if I've heard of them. Chevy Chase, right? You have to have heard of that. I probably have. <laughs> I feel ashamed. She's in our soundproof like, closet right now, yeah. Hiding the closet the whole time. You missed out on vacation. <laughs> you heard of Wally World? You heard of Wally World, right? I think Allie. Uh, Allie oh, I mean, before yeah. Time. But Allie, what are we going to do next? But real quick, though, but okay, you know. Quick, yeah. One of my favorite movies and one of my least favorite Christmas movies actually was. Oh, you're going to go least favorite as well. Yeah, actually, it was a Christmas Vacation Part Two. Okay. <laughs> what? Okay, yeah. I don't know about that one. Like it. Okay, Christmas Vacation Part Two. I'll be pull up the year here. Um, I've never even heard. I didn't even know there was a Part Two. <laughs> okay, Christmas Vacation Part Two is called um, Cousin Eddie's Island Adventure. And, <laughs> and and Chevy Chase is not in it, you know. And like I think, I think only one of the um, one of the kids are in it, you know, from the original movie. But it's just a horrible movie. Randy Quaid plays cousin Eddie again, which is one of my right. favorite characters. One of the best things about 
a crucifixion, but it's all about him, and it does not work whatsoever. It's just way too much Cousin Eddie. The mm. jokes don't land. You know, it's not mm. made by um, John Hughes or written by John Hughes. Wow. It's just a total train wreck, and I have no idea how... Oh, nothing worse than jokes made. don't land. Yeah, the, the jokes were horrible, and I, I watched it last season just to make myself watch <laughs> it, and it was just as bad as I... The worst I could imagine. This is this is bad as you remember. Yeah, like Audrey Griswold is in it, but that's that's the only um, person from the original that returns with him, you know, and and his so family's in it too. But it doesn't work. So if you want to torture yourself um, this holiday season, please mm. watch Crucifixion Part Two. Okay. And but, to you. but if you want to watch a great Christmas movie, yes. you watch Christmas Vacation. The first one. Yes. All right. All right, Ali Dash, what is uh, your favorite holiday special movie that you like to enjoy every year? Um, so I have a couple. Um, so my favorite is the Santa Claus. Um, cause it's such like a classic Christmas movie. Um, it came out when I was a little kid. Um, so I def we watch that every year. Um, that one's probably my favorite Christmas movie. And then, um, so every so it actually started out as we waited to the last minute to wrap presents. Um, and so Christmas Eve, we stayed up so late wrapping all the presents. Um, and then it's become a tradition. So every year, me and my husband wait till Christmas Eve to wrap all our presents. We stay up super late and we always have to watch Mean Girls. So it's become like mean a tradition. Girls. Okay, even though <laughs> it's not funny. necessarily a Christmas movie, it's a There's tradition. There's a Christmas scene. Okay, yeah, that's fair. which is <laughs> kind of like the Die Hard become for... such an iconic, yeah. iconic thing in in uh, in pop culture. So like, yes. it pretty much wait, is like. Wait, Mean Christmas. Girls? I never heard of that before. <laughs> Stop it. One's a feature King Martin. Um, is there a favorite Christmas yeah. movie? Yeah. So yeah, I went a different route with this. Like, I, there's a couple I like watching from my childhood. Everybody hears about those, but I, I want to give some love to some lesser known ones. Uh, probably something that a lot of people haven't seen that they need to watch is The Hogfather. Oh wow. Yeah. The who? The Hogfather. Hog like Godfather, but hog, like a pig okay. hog. It's oh, a, everybody's favorite Christmas either. movie. Yeah, it's a it's a Terry Pratchett thing. If you've seen any of his like oh, satires from like Discworld. It's, my, it's like my husband is obsessed with Discworld. Like he has like all the Terry Pratchett books and yeah. Discworld books. I'll have to ask him. He'll probably know what that is. Yeah, and that's really an good. actually that's a holiday film. Yeah, and it's good. It's legit. Like okay. you're going to be entertained. It's hilarious. It's silly. <laughs> okay. It's it's out there. Just think of like a Lord of the Rings world on crack, designed to not make sense. Yes. And then you okay. just happen to happen to roll through the Christmas season in this world on crack that doesn't make sense with elves and wizards and stuff. It's it's worth checking out. So that's number one. I'm gonna yeah. check it out. Yeah, no, it's definitely list. worth watching. And, and like, and if you don't, if anybody on on who doesn't like it, like, bug me, I'll get you like pizza or something. I promise. <laughs> that's a good deal. The, All the, right. The other one that people need to watch, Chachi, I bet you'll know this one, is Scrooged with Bill Murray. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, I've seen it. Yeah. Phenomenal film. Phenomenal. Okay. If people forget this Christmas movie, great Christmas movie. And then more recently, there was a, an animated one called Klaus. Didn't get a lot of press. I loved that. Solid I film. That. Yeah. So I, I think I cried. It was so It was so it, good. It was good. And it was yeah. funny. Yeah, you and get Santa fun. Claus with, with battle axes and it's heartwarming. Fun for the whole family. I love that. That's <laughs> awesome. Morgan mm -hmm. Fab, you got some favorites. 
So, I mean, I have to agree with Chachi, like, um, Christmas vacation. I mean, I have watched that with my family every year. Um, and then my sister and I watch it. Like, I mean, I'm sure Chachi and I could spend an hour reciting all of the lines, oh, yeah. um, because that's literally what we do. Um, you see, there's people that have the, the ugly sweatshirts now that say, why is the carpet all wet? Todd, I don't know. Like people who haven't seen it, they're like, what? I'm like, how do you not know that part? Um, so that is definitely like, I have to w- I watch that at least two or three times. If it's all on TV, it goes on. Yeah. <laughs> um, and <laughs> I also really like white Christmas, the old, musical uh with george clooney's grandmother rosemary clooney i mean it's yes it's it's very old uh i think bing crosby's in it but again i you know i love musical theater so it's you know a lot of tap dancing and showboating uh so i I usually watch that alone because nobody else wants to watch that besides my sister um (laughs) and then i just really like all the really cheesy, sappy Hallmark and Lifetime. Like, I will just have that on in the background and I'll be like, oh, it's another one of these. And like, whoever I'm with, they're like, why? How? I'm like, it just, it just works. Uh, I don't know. My mother and father-in-law, so my mother-in-law is obsessed with Hallmark Christmas movies. And uh, my father-in-law, who you would not think, like he's not like, you know, um, but he loves watching the Hallmark Christmas movies too. Yeah. Awesome. They're great. Well, I picked an underrated one, kind of like where uh the Once a Feature King um was going. Um, and you might have heard that open opening little Carol the Bells uh medley by Paul Oakenfold, um a very underrated raunchy comedy, a raunchy holiday comedy. It's a very Harold and Kumar Christmas. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's I absolutely good. love it's funny. Love that movie. It's raunchy. It's funny. I mean, what other Christmas movie can you think of that has female nudity, cocaine, and binge drinking? Uh, I, I didn't know they made a okay, Christmas Santa. movie. That's that has one, too. pretty okay. good. That's that actually up there, too. No doubt. Yeah, yeah Bad Santa is one of my favorite, too. Like, it's probably number two. Yeah. But Harold and Kumar, I mean, we're talking about two persons of color protagonists, which I think they really, they really broke the mold, you know? And, you know, no no one was really thinking about, you know, you know, an Asian actor and an Indian actor, you know, just being, you know, potheads, you know, of course, in the first, you know, Carol and right. Kumar. And eventually you see... Harold, you know, um, you know, cleaning up his act, you know, getting married, and you see Kumar is pretty much the same, you know, stoner that he was in the first film. But uh, it was, just, it was, it's just a funny film. Lots of laughs. Um, definitely funny for the Christmas spirit, and definitely not a movie that you'd want to watch around the kids. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, <but man. laughs> I, hi- I highly recommend it. And of course, I- I'm a real sucker for the Charlie Brown Christmas. Oh, I love I mean, that. Oh, I love I, that. Yeah. I really, there's nothing better than that music, that, yeah. that, that mm-hmm. Charlie Brown. I just, it's just so timeless. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I have to watch that, that every year. That score I, I, is just beautiful. Um, and I could watch that over and over again every Christmas. Uh, so that would be, that, be the, the family appropriate choice for me. 
Have you seen that you can buy the sad tree now? Yeah, I have it in my office. Yeah, like some some company <laughs> manufactured the sad crappy tree that Charlie gets <laughs> <laughs> crappy tree. <laughs> yeah, we that. Went, we went to the Christmas tree farm over the weekend, and there was like a pile of like was just like crappy trees, and it had um, a sign. It was like Charlie Brown Christmas trees for fifteen dollars. Mm. Like Charles, <laughs> Charles Schultz actually had a fight to get that special um, on network TV the way that you see it now. Because mm-hmm. they didn't want all that stuff with, um, with like talking about Jesus and the TV and that kind of stuff, um, even though it was Christmas. Right. So he actually fought and stood up to the network and got a, his vision on TV, which is what we now see, for, you know, for the over the last fifty years. So it's pretty, it's pretty incredible that he um, had to fight that way back then. And you don't see too many um, Christmas movies that get very religious like that. You don't. You know. Yeah. Not, so. Not cool anymore. Yeah, I know, and, and that's, okay. I, honestly, cool that's sad. I, I think that's kind of unfortunate, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. well, let's embrace let's embrace every religion, and Christmas. Let's let's face it; it's about the birth of Christ at the end of the day. Right. Uh, I, granted, other people might celebrate Christmas in a more commercial way. Let's just not forget what it's really truly about, you know. So, now you're I agree. just silly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> All right, guys. So uh, lots of stuff going on in the world of entertainment let's just get right into it guys um a little later in the program a pre-recorded interview with uh, a friend of mine rebecca kennedy we met at sundance film festival her career is really blowing up she's had guest star roles on law and order svu um and she's got a new independent film called los angeles um we're going to be um interviewing her um and that's a pre-recorded interview at the end of the program so but anyways that's for later let's talk about everything going on in the world of entertainment so here we go it is time for the hollywood report that's hot that's bananas that's off the chain yeah all right all right the big movie guys is spider-man no way home um, we're going but, to see it on friday yes everyone should be seeing this movie this weekend and we'll be talking about it on our christmas show but i am just happy to report that reviews are good, good. official reviews social media responses are pouring in offering praise for the multiverse mashup featuring tom holland's friendly neighborhood superhero and that is a really refreshing to hear because the last Marvel movie, The Eternals, wasn't so well-reviewed by critics, even though audiences liked it. But, um, yeah, Far From Home, um, earning the critics' uh, applause, you know. Um, for instance, Variety says uh, it's a clever meta-adventure. Okay. Adding, adding that the audiences who've, turned, who've tuned out of the Spider-Man films along the way will be rewarded for giving this one a shot. All right. Yeah. IGN calls it a perfect harmony of Saturday morning cartoon and the deep drama that we've come to expect from these epics. All right. Um, The Daily Beast, the MCU's best Spidey movie by a mile. Wow. Wow. By a mile. Yeah, by a mile. Um, Yeah. So um, uh, Rotten Tomatoes, 94%. That's so awesome. that's all the uh, critics' aggregation of uh, Spider-Man: No Way Home. So um, 
look for our full review um, and everything uh, Spider-Man No Way Home for next week's show when everyone gets a chance to see it. But I'm not pretty stoked for, for this particular film, man. And uh, you know what's so interesting? excited. When I saw the trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home, it said this Christmas. Like, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like Christmas is, you know, like people like to say, oh, happy holidays or switch it out, you know, to be politically correct or whatever. But I kind of appreciated that, it, that, that, you know, the trailer said this Christmas. Like, okay, great, you know? I'm surprised. Someone, someone's getting fired from Disney. Really, you think so? Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm, I don't know necessarily fired, but uh, oh, I'm yeah, sure I had to go through the top brass, and they were like, you know, yeah. let's just I let think that one stuck in there. You know why? It's because it's the multiverse. So they have to accept that somewhere there's a universe where it's okay to talk about Christmas stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Um, so, uh, Fantastic Beast Three trailer. I'm excited uh, for that. Oh, it's me to watch the trailer. Johnny Depp, not in the trailer, guys. As you know, he got canceled yeah. from this third film. Um, certainly a victim of cancel culture. Um, but, you know, we see um, in the trailer, the Hogwarts professor uh, portrayed by Jude Law. Um, and, uh, of course, we see Eddie Redmayne's um, Newt Salamander in there um and um the the trailer makes several nods to the original series including the introduction of dumbledore's brother albaforth um which is kind of cool um and uh yeah the cast includes Catherine waterston allison Sudel, ezra miller jessica williams and btb guest dan fogler who we had on last year remember that chachi which is pretty awesome he's in everything I know, right? Walking yeah. Dead, the Goldbergs, fantastic. The Goldbergs now. He wasn't in the Goldbergs um, Thanksgiving episode this year uh, as he normally is. He must have been overseas. Did they explain his re- the reason why he wasn't there? No, they didn't say. Okay. Oh, he's canceled. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you heard it here first. BTV is breaking some exclusives. Yeah, yeah I don't know if he's canceled. That's, yeah. the, that's the father from the Goldbergs. Oh, the fa- yeah. <laughs> Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, the trailer just dropped. Did anyone get a chance to check that out? I didn't. Yeah, so, um, well, we have Knuckles, um, the red um, creature, um, who's the foe of Sonic in the games, voiced by Idris Elba. Of course, Jim Carrey returns as Dr. Ivan Eggman Robotnik. Um, James Marsden also returns. Um, Trailer looks pretty good. Um, and you know, the reviews for the first one were really, really good. Um, so, uh, I guess it was worthy of a sequel and they probably, I mean, the best, the best thing they ever did was redesigning that Sonic the Hedgehog. Cause do, does anyone remember how Sonic yeah. used to oh, it's so creepy. first iteration? It, teeth, it was man, so weird. His teeth. Dentured teeth were weird. <laughs> it was, it was <laughs> like human teeth. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad they listened to yeah um to everyone yeah they completely had to just redo the entire movie <laughs> and i'm glad that they're going with that new one um yeah i enjoyed the first one i don't know why like um cause i know a lot of people did like it and i watched yeah. it for the whole time and i'm like am i just in a bad mood watching this movie because everybody else seems to like it yeah but i never watched it for the second time so maybe i should yeah. yeah i didn't see it 
maybe one more uh, viewing is, is appropriate. Chachi, yeah. yeah I want to be fair, you know. You got to be fair time, sometimes. Yeah. Next time, smoke a bowl before you watch it. And, like, there you go. That, that could have been <laughs> a, <laughs> a, a better place to joke to land better. Like, right. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I, was a, I was eating a bowl of popcorn, so that was it. <laughs> uh, great reviews for uh, the movie Licorice Pizza, which stars Bradley Cooper, who plays Barbara Streisand's future producer, John Peters. Um, apparently, uh, this particular film has a lot of Oscar buzz about it, and a lot of people are thinking Bradley Cooper could be in tension for an Oscar for his performance in Licorice Pizza. Yeah, this the um, the name of the movie actually used to be a uh, music store on the West Coast, Licorice Pizza. And if you watch the movie uh, Fast Times, the store that they go into inside the mall is, is Licorice Pizza, where Simone is like uh, yeah. has his arm around the blondie cut out and trying to show um, Ratner um, how to pick up women. There's a, there's a very like famous um, chain on the West Coast and like oh cool where where like you know uh, a record is like a circular like a pizza but it's like made of licorice you know instead of like a pizza that's why they get the name of licorice pizza. But I'm not mm. sure if this movie has anything to do with the store or not, but it looks like the same time period. Yeah, that that's good, uh, good trivia to confirm. Maybe we can confirm that, but yeah. um, you know, I, yeah, I'm I'm really I'm really looking forward to to checking this one out. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it uh, apparently has been a lot of buzz talking about it. So, all right. Um, there's a romantic comedy with Jennifer Lopez called "Marry Me," which will have a theatrical release in February of 2022. I want to see um, that. I know, I know you're all about that, Morgan. Your Grace. I know you are. Um, but you can actually watch this movie on Peacock, as they will have a simultaneous release. I thought they were getting rid of the simultaneous releases on streaming for the big movies um, a- uh, after 2021, but apparently, you know, Peacock is still doing it. Um, I know HBO Max. I believe they're they might be ending that because, I mean, Dune was that big movie that I'm just really shocked that they. They put on HBO Max, but uh, yeah, so it's, it's I know, right? It's like, insane, especially with the amount of money that went into production. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it's insane that, and of course, the upcoming uh, Matrix. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so. and and that kind of movie should be, you know, you should see that movie at the theaters. Yes, hundred mm-hmm. you know. percent. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, and I, I don't know if you guys saw Dune, but like, I was a huge fan of the book, so I'm biased. But like, I thought they did a great job, and like, it was yeah, great. Epic, I enjoyed it. Yeah, the epicness. What's hilarious is like, you haven't read the book. They covered no ground. That first movie wow. got like to chapter ten. They covered a hundred pages. It's, it's a wow. four hundred wow. page novel. It went it, nowhere. Is it right? I want to read roughly half of the book. Roughly the first. It's a big book. Thirty-three percent. Oh wow, thirty-three percent. Yeah, I want to yeah. read it. Uh, oh. They're gonna like Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, this thing, but like, they, so, <laughs> right. so if, yeah, if they if they turn this whole movie like yeah, this, so the first book could be you know three films. There's five books in the series. <laughs> keep it I, yeah, how yeah, do you? Hobbit was definitely drawn out. Yeah, yeah way too drawn yeah, out. Yeah, that that was only one book, right? Yeah. Right. That's crazy, yeah. So how many three different books and there were three. So movies. part two, you think will cover the rest of uh, the first book, Martin? The rumor I heard was that they were doing the movie in two books, but like they moved none too fast in the film. Like I swear to God, it was. It was I remember I got to like hour two and I was loving it, but I was like, how long is this movie gonna be? <laughs> and then like yeah. you know, they rolled credits, and I was like, oh, it's everybody. a real long one, guys. Wow, no doubt. 
All right, the box office, West Side Story, despite being the number one movie, fell flat at the box office. Um, 10.5 million. Uh, only 10.5 million in at the North American box office for its opening. Yeah, that's crazy, weekend. though. It was still one of the best reviewed movies of the year, but I really think uh, it's it's about just I don't think musicals do well in the box office. Sad. You know? I mean, I, 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 I think them. I think more people should uh, appreciate the musical. You know, it makes um, sense though. Like, if if you're a musical person, you kind of like the theater and like you like the ambiance yeah. and the interplay between the yes. lights and the audience. So part of you is naturally snooty against the cinema. So if they put right. musical in the cinema, you're like, meh. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Um, so yeah, I mean, they're saying uh, they're saying they spent 100 million to revive this uh, Shakespearean love story by uh, Stephen Sondheim, and of course, is directed by Steven Steven Spielberg. Um, but for 100 million to make this movie and only 10.5 million uh, in the opening wow. weekend is pretty bad, considering. Um, but yeah. uh, I don't know. A lot of people said that Ansel's performance wasn't strong as the lead, but I, I haven't seen it yet, so I, I guess I can't really personally comment on it. But uh, you know, I'll definitely, I'll definitely go and watch it. You know, I definitely support the theater. Heck, I was just uh, in New York. I caught um, an excellent Broadway play, by the way, "Jagged Little Pill." Uh, featuring the music um, of Alanis Morissette, big Alanis Morissette fan, and a uh, lot of emotion in that 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 uh, that Broadway play. So I highly recommend it if uh, anyone gets up to uh, to New York to catch a Broadway play. Jagged Little Pill is awesome. Um, yeah. Number two movies in Canto, the Disney movie. I want to see that. That's another movie we need to see. Yes, Al. Uh, when are we going? When are we going? Right. Well, we're gonna. Well, Spider-Man's next. I think Sabrina. Okay, yes, Sabrina and I and uh, and other others that want to join, we're, we're trying to see it. This I'm week. in. Let's go. Let's make a party. Sunday. Yeah, Sunday. I Sunday night because I the could do Sunday. So we're thinking like an 8 p.m. You know, Sabrina won't like it, or she'll find stuff. She'll find stuff to pick it. on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's like the There's... the self-proclaimed Spider-Man super fan. So let's see what. Sabrina says about it, and she'll be on next week's show to talk about it. Um, We're seeing it on Friday at eleven o'clock Friday? in the morning. Eleven in the morning. Eleven in the morning. <laughs> We're gonna go while the kids are at school. Oh, there you That's go. Smart. <laughs> so the kids don't have to go with you. And you know the kids are gonna bother you. They're gonna want to see it. Oh yeah, right? my my daughter's already like she's like you're going without me. Without me, right? Just <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <is> not happy. <laughs> uh, are you gonna take them eventually? Yeah, definitely. Okay. But you want your first oh, I, I, I want to see it, like, right away. Oh, yes, wow. Yeah. Very nice. I yeah. want to be spoiled, huh? Yeah. Yes. All right. Uh, so. It's also my first movie since December 2019. Oh, wow. Damn. What movie this was that? your first movie in the theater, that is. In the theater, yeah. Yes. Um, it was um, Just Mercy. Uh, Just Mercy was the last movie you saw in the theater? Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Interesting. Uh, well, because like the um, the pandemic, the pandemic. Yeah. But then there just never was an opportunity um, okay. to go, which sucks. Because like um, or a movie that you're dying to, to go, see, but and still Spider-Man, right? <laughs> that was the movie that that made you want to do it. Uh, the the third, fourth, and fifth films, respectively, are Ghostbusters Afterlife, House of Gucci, and Eternals. So there you go. Um, um. So uh, in production. 
Disney has announced its next animated feature. Uh, it's going to be titled Strange Worlds. It's an original. Josh, you hear that? Original action adventure. Original. Not, wow. not based on anything we know. No source material. Okay. Um, set to debut in Thanksgiving of 2022. It centers on the Clades family. Um, explorers uh, who threaten to topple their latest and most crucial mission. So it's a big journey, a big adventure type of uh, animated film. Um, and it will be directed by Don Hall, who directed Big Hero 6 and Raya the Last Dragon, mm. which Ooh, was, a, was, a was a favorite. Was a favorite. both of those. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know you love Same. both of them, right? <laughs> Dude, I'll just see it just because it's an original story. Like, I'll just start throwing my money at anything that isn't a remake. There's been a lot of remakes. Yes, yes. Goddamn right. <laughs> All right. I don't know how big this budget of this movie is, but they keep adding A-list actors to this movie. But it's Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer, which is a World War II drama. Uh, and uh, just added to the cast is Rami Malek, Florence Pugh. Uh, and they already have Robert Downey Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, Cillian Murphy. I mean, it's like already completely like just jam packed with A-list stars, but uh, it's like the Avengers. It's like the Avengers, man. You got a couple of Avengers in there, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like Robert Downey Jr., wow. Florence Pugh. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's huge, man. Um. <clears throat> well, you know, I was gonna skip this, but you know, I got to give props to David Arquette. He's trying to get back into. Uh, mainstream big big movies uh he's got a movie um called the storied life of aj fickery okay so this is based on a novel a best-selling those kind of titles right there i'm not gonna see it oh that's not doesn't do it for you huh crazy off the wall titles that no one's gonna remember and like right unless you're a fan of the new york times best-selling novel which no that's is. what it's based on. Uh, <laughs> Nobody reads books. But I read on, books. I knew Ali was going to say that. I read. <laughs> I, I read graphic novels. I love, I love graphic novels, too. I love a book. I, I need pictures of my books. I'm like, sorry. Yeah, like, graphic novels is like reading the um, funny pages at the, on, oh, on come the on campaign. Oh, come on now. Graphic novels are good. Not wrong. Not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you read saga. Uh, you know saga from image comics we actually Uh, general zod just talked about how good that was are they adapting that for a series or a film do you know so um brian k vaughn's other series paper girls which i absolutely love too okay um, into a series um that's gonna be adapted but saga not yet saga is it's gonna be like um it's it gets crazy in saga it's a lot of um sexual orgies and oh wow great <laughs> like it's, Whoa, it's a, a lot like the first time i read it I was like, what? there's like robots and like it's you have to read it um okay. but it's actually oh, amazing huh? like it's a fantastic storyline like i like it's really really good um well, but you got my attention at orgies so i mean kind of like ali saying orgy it's like she's <laughs> Uh, robot orgies. Robot well, orgies. you know, in season three of The Boys, we're getting the big uh, hero gasm storyline, which yeah, is one are. big, just a kind of like it's um, a hedonism for superheroes, where there's 
massive orgies um, with all the soups getting together and fucking. And um, I don't know how they're going to do it, but they're going to do it in season three. So we already when found it. season come out. Have they announced it yet? Um, 2022, but they haven't. I believe they have not announced a uh, right. a drop date just yet. But remember that that was early in season one. There was that exclusive club where all the supers like go like bang people and they're out of the public eye. Yeah, that's the hero gasm storyline. That's in season yeah. three. Yeah, you're gonna get that. Oh, no, it was it was in season one. Uh, one of the first two episodes. Maybe season two. I don't know. From what I read, the hero gasm storyline in the comic books will be adapted for season. I, I'm sh- I'm sure that storyline. I'm saying like we've already seen something like that. Like so early we have seen a lot of fucking and right. No, but there's like a club where all the superheroes there. There's like fucking tons of people. It's the first time we see like the Christian guy on the couch making out with two dudes. Oh. Wow. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So that Quite was a club. Nerd- this one. This was kind of like a a, a resort. So I think maybe that's the difference. Okay, I, I understand. <laughs> oh, so like Temptation Island for the poop. Yes, <laughs> yes. I love it, man. Oh, my God. Very, very awesome. Oh, man, as you know, Sundance uh, 2022 will be back for an in-person festival. Um, we Our fingers are crossed for our sister show, Click on This Show, that, uh, um, that we can return uh, to... Uh, Park City, Utah, to cover this amazing festival. A um, lot of projects getting a lot of buzz um, at Sundance, um, such as uh, Julianne Moore's drama, When You Finish Saving the World. Um, also, Lucy and Desi um, is another big one that's uh, about to debut there. Um, and this is a documentary by Amy Poehler from Saturday Night Live fame. There's also, which I probably will skip, the Kanye West um, tri- Kanye trilogy docu series, which is already report, uh, reportedly picked up by Netflix. But uh, yeah, I think I'm gonna skip that one. Oh, <laughs> wow, a trilogy of Kanye West, man. Leave it to Kanye to just do a trilogy about himself. <laughs> about himself, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Now, there's actually a weird, uh, there's a very controversial comedy that's going to be, uh, sorry, controversial documentary, rather, that's going to be a part of Sundance. It's, it's called We Need to Talk About Cosby, which mm. uh, looks Do at we? the tarnished legacy of Bill Cosby in the wake of multiple allegations of sexual assault. So, uh, how should we need to talk about I know, that's the name of the, that's the name of the documentary, isn't that crazy? We need to talk about Cosby. <laughs> Um, so yeah, 82 feature films, um, 42% are from first time filmmakers. Sundance Film Festival. All right. Uh, moving on to Disney plus the Eternals, which you mentioned was still at the top of the box office will be on Disney plus on January 12th. So if you didn't get the chance to see it in the theaters, it'll be, uh, streaming from your home as part of the regular Disney plus package. Should be happy about that. Um, just, just finished episode five of Hawkeye. Oh, I don't I know if anybody's tuned that. in. To Is it good? Um, have you at all or the current yeah. episode dropped today? Allie, are you referring to the oh. episode? No, um, overall, I haven't watched overall, uh, any oh, of it. Okay. Yeah. Well, we, we kind of alluded to, I mean, it was kind of like, you know, um, revealed last week that they were talking about a particular boss, big boss, which was revealed to be um, Vincent D'Onofrio's kingpin. It was revealed at the end of uh, episode five. Um, and apparently 
Kate Bishop's mother, Eleanor Bishop, uh, was seen talking with Kingpin, which is a text message that Kate Bishop received. So it'll be interesting to see the drama with Kingpin. As you know, he's a notorious crime boss in the Marvel Universe. And it's the same actor from who played Kingpin in the Daredevil, Daredevil. series on yeah. Netflix. Yeah. And he so, crushed it, man. He was great at that. And what's good about that, it ties that universe together, which I really wanted the Netflix series to tie together with MCU. And you know yeah. me, I'm a big fan of things that make sense and tie-ins. So <laughs> that's really cool. Um, we actually found out in this episode um, that Echo, which the, the Maya character, Echo, who is the deaf and who's, who is, uh, has a uh, prosthetic leg, apparently uh, was informed by Clint Hawkeye that the boss tried to kill her father. Her boss allegedly killed her father. And the boss, of course, we were, we were already revealed as Kingpin. And then we get a kind of like a little girl's night with Kate uh, Bishop and Yelena Belova, played by Florence Pugh. And um, she reveals that she is Natasha Romanoff's sister, of course. That's Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow. Also reveals that she wants to kill Clint. And the thing was, Clint didn't kill Scarlett Johansson. If you watched Avengers Endgame, goddammit, <laughs> they both were trying to kill themselves. <laughs> if anything, Clint was preventing her from getting killed. So apparently some big misinformation uh, Wait, that was given to. I got to say that annoyed me in the movie because the whole point of that was that you had to give up something you loved to show that you're willing to sacrifice to get the stone. Right. And they didn't do that shit. Thanos did it, right? Thanos cries and kills his daughter, but Clinton and Tasha, it's not, they're breaking the rules, man. Mm, damn. Just saying. I know. Well, I, I'm really curious as to why the heck I mean, I mean, well, now I actually do know, because at the end of uh, uh, the Falcon and Winter Soldier, we see um, um, Julie Louis-Dreyfus' character, Valentina, uh, showing Florence yeah. Pugh's uh, yelling a blow over that this is the person that killed your sister. So it could be kind of crazy. Kind of crazy. All right. Um, another Disney Plus series in the Star Wars live action universe. Um, so we talked about this one before. It's from Leslie Headlands, who's at Russian Doll. Um, it's called The Acolyte. Um, and apparently, actress Amanda Stenberg is in talks to. Um, join this um, series. Um, now, apparently, an acolyte in Star Wars is referred to a Sith um, warrior who has just begun training under an experienced Sith Lord. So, um, this was, of course, prior to Sith Lord Darth Bane instituting the Rule of Two, under which there are only ever two Sith in existence at a time, a master and an apprentice. So I like how they're going dark, you know, maybe the yeah. protagonists are the Sith Lords this time, you know, it's, so, um, so, much, so much cooler than the Jedi. So much cooler. <laughs> Will um, Ron Simmons be in this? The, oh yeah. That's a wrestling joke. Acolytes. Like, <laughs> mm. <laughs> Only wrestling fans will laugh at that one. <laughs> or, they may, or they may not. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Two series uh, that are coming up on Disney plus one of which Chachi might not be happy with. Uh, one is Zorro. Uh, Wilmer Valderrama is attached to star and executive produce 
a live action Zorro series that's in development at Disney. Um, and Valderrama will uh, star as Don Diego de la Vega, a swashbuckling alter ego, a uh, mass horseman known as Zorro. Um, I think that's appropriate casting. Um, love Will Murray. He's, he's a great actor. Um, fun guy to party with, too. Party with him a few times. Um, but uh, I think that's really cool. Um, and here's another one that I'm curious what the, the panel thinks. Um, <laughs> it's going to be a Goonies inspired untitled reenactment oh. project. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Why? And it's about a teacher who helps her students recreate shot for shot the original Goonies movie. So eventually, uh, this, yeah. yeah, so it's, a, it's yeah. kind of a remake. Yeah, it's not a not... remake, but it's yeah. a they're recreating it the original movie i'm just curious to see how that it'll work fun. out yeah but like no. there's, there's a huge difference between a lot of yes. fans loving something and showing fans loving something and trying to remake the right thing. right very different so mm-hmm. chachi does that change your opinion that we clarified what it is no okay <laughs> <laughs> because this is something that nobody um hold on uh, I mean, well, Fox actually passed on this project at first. Yeah, yeah. So Fox was gonna, you know, they they felt it was too young for the network. Um, but now, um, now this series is gonna be uh, redeveloped at Disney Plus, and actually the Donner Company are on board. And you know, Richard Donner was involved with the uh, the game. Yeah, he's he's dead, and he um wouldn't have wanted this. Um, he wouldn't have wanted it. You don't think? So if it's Disney, I guess the only character is gonna like remain the same is is Data. Out of the whole cast. Oh, okay. Is that a uh, is that a uh, woke joke? Diverse joke. Yeah. yeah. Oh boy. Disney. No, oh, but uh, there's yeah. no reason to remake the Disney. Um, Goonies is a classic. Everybody loves the Goonies. Nobody wants to see some shot for shot remake. Um, shot for shot right. remake, rec- recreating it. Yeah. Yeah. It 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 makes zero sense. You know, people like I said before, if you were going to do like a a Goonies. Um, sequel they let it be like a series and let it be called mm-hmm. the goondocks kind of like with like cobra kai right and then just kind of show you know what the goonies are doing now and like you know you, you got to build up their kids but it couldn't it couldn't be done like in a two hour you know hour and a half movie it wouldn't be enough time to like show you what they're all doing now and 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 also have you care about the kids in that short of a time frame but they've been dying to make money off the Goonies for years and years, and yeah. and they never have found anything yeah. that was worth it, any kind of script that was worth it, you know, even though mm-hmm. a lot of the Goonies actors were on board. But it's like the kind of thing where, like, I don't care what you do with the Goonies, it's never going to come anywhere near close to the original, and people are going to be disappointed and not like it. You know, mm-hmm. that's the same thing with, like, Back to the Future. You know, you could do you know, great technology and special effects and everything for a new Back to the Future movie, but it's never going to work because some things that should never be touched. With this, um, with this project, it, isn't it, um, what's it called? Like different characters that are like fans of the Goonies that yeah, want to make, sh- make it or something? I, I, based on they're saying it's a teacher who helps her students recreate shot for shot. So these students... Are, are gonna play the characters. It's almost like a a, a so kind of like what like high school film within musical. A film. Yeah, like a film within the series. A film. Mm. I think that's what we're. I was like, why? With. I mean, they 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 did a um, 
documentary on, I believe it was on Netflix, that this kid recreated um, Indiana Jones on Raiders of the Lost Ark. But it was like a kid doing it with like the technology that he had. Like it might have been back in the 80s, like 80s he did it, which was pretty clever. Just showing like how he's trying to recreate well, every scene, but with technology that he had as a kid. So that was kind of clever, but. Okay. Well, if you heard about the Cobra Kai um, plot line before even watching, like just right before season one, would you kind of be like groaning, you know, possibly before you actually watch it? It's possible, right? Could that I was be the happy case? that all the original people were on board, the original okay. actors and everything, and that it was taken mm-hmm. um, seriously. But yeah, that definitely could have been a train wreck. And if anybody else was in charge of it, it would have been a train wreck and it would have been corny and they would have been, been kind of making fun of the fans and making fun of the original um, right. movies. So right. luckily they didn't go that way. They took it seriously and they respected the fans. Yeah, but you know, with Disney, Disney's such a like they are just so like money grubbing um, with everything they do. They mm-hmm. want to make money off of every property they have. You know, they're going to like drive Indiana Jones into the ground, and like there's already um, mm-hmm. rumors about some kind of um, like female lead that's going to take over after Indiana Jones. It's like sometimes you just let a series die. It ran its Well, course. Harrison Ford would he put his foot down. He's like, no one else should play Indiana Jones. You're right, but you, you think Disney mm-hmm. cares about that? You're like Harrison. We love you, Harrison, but. We can make a ton of money on this, so we don't want to care what your opinion. Well, you know, it could be Ingrid Jones's daughter or granddaughter. I don't know. They, I mean, they could do something. I don't, I don't know. But uh, okay, let's go but back. There's enough. There's enough explore type movies mm-hmm. over the years where you don't need to keep the Indiana Jones like franchise running after Harrison Ford. Yeah. Right. right. Well, we we said this numerous times. Like, there's nothing wrong with just making something new in the genre, like a new superhero right. or a new explorer. Mm-hmm. Right. Like people. It often gets like portrayed as being like closed-minded or whatever. It's like no, people don't want you ruining their childhood nostalgia. Like make right. whatever yeah. that thing is that you want to make, but don't call it Indiana Jones. Don't call it you know this whatever. Right. Yeah. Well, and I feel like the best remakes or or even like within the world are genuine true fans. Um, like The Mandalorian. Oh, absolutely. Like that was oh, yeah. done brilliantly. Absolutely, hundred percent. Um, yeah, you need you need people who respect the original property to do these new ones and not not just people trying to make a buck because yeah th- like we saw with the um the female reboot of the ghostbusters that was just them trying to make a buck off the ghostbusters name and they're like and then right. getting mad when people didn't like it i'm like, it like well people like the original ones you're trying to just make money off their nostalgia right you're totally spitting in their face with everything that they mm-hmm. loved about the original but they so, made up yeah. for it in uh, afterlife oh i want to watch that yeah it's, i saw that it looks so good they definitely yeah, it's, it's the whole thing. Yeah, all these articles came out of me like, you know, America clearly still misogynist. Where it's like, or you just made a bad movie. Like, yeah. one of these things. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and like, I mean, I wasn't on here when you guys talked about um, Afterlife. But yes, but for everybody so saying like, oh, the Ghostbusters fans, they, they despise women. That's why they hated this reboot. But yet you had a wonderful yeah. female lead in the new um, Afterlife movie. You know, Absolutely. Playing, um, Wait, young actress, those uh, the granddaughter of Egon. Granddaughter, oh, yeah. daughter and granddaughter, yeah. And it made sense, and it made sense, and and, that, and she was a great actress, you know, and like and she's fantastic, right? And the storyline made sense, you know. She like, you know, acted, you know, and like you really could have thought that that was his granddaughter, you know, yeah. and then and people loved it. I mean, the fans loved it, and somehow, you know, they hate women, but they loved her as an actress. So. Right. <laughs> yeah, we we like this new all women. Why? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So right. Like, she like was in, um... said, maybe just make a good film and people will like it. You know, maybe just respect <laughs> the original um, fans. Yeah. You know. But she was I, in Haunting of Hill House. Was she? Oh, she was in Haunting of Hill House mm-hmm. as well. Oh, nice. 
That is something I got to catch up on the oh, Mark Flanagan oh, series. Oh, it's so, so good. good. Midnight Mass, all those. Oh, I need to watch Midnight time. Mass. We yeah. watched. Um, my daughter is obsessed with Haunting of Hill House, so she's like rewatching it now. <laughs> rewatching it. Wow. Okay. I, just, I just rewatched it with Margot Robbie. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, she, and she, she got addicted. We went through it in like three days because she couldn't stop. <laughs> so let's talk about Cobra Kai's latest trailer, Chachi. Netflix uh, just dropped uh, last week. Um, season four trailer which saw a lot more of what to expect in season four um terry silver as you mentioned earlier chachi is back and uh i love how they included you know um some of the footage from his previous film to kind of give people a refresher on who he is um but yeah new year's eve uh cobra kai drops on netflix so uh i think it looks great i i I, the trailer looked fantastic and uh i'm staying in yeah, I know, right? Yes. <laughs> I was, I was going to go to Miami and party on the yacht, but nope. Me and me and Netflix are hanging out New Year's Eve. <laughs> I mean, if you have Margaret Robbie, then it, you know it's okay. But uh... yeah, you know where you, you need to go then. <laughs> I um, I haven't seen the new trailer. Like I purposely avoid it because I've seen enough. And yeah, of course I want to watch the um, new season. Oh, you didn't uh, watch the new trailer? No, like I, there's, there's nothing more what? I need. To- you be, love this. You love this franchise. I, I, I want to be surprised. Like I don't need anything more. Oh, I, I don't, don't think there's no surprises. I don't think there's any. I'm, I'm with you. I don't. Yeah, I don't want to know. Like if I know I like it, I don't want to know. I do the same thing. Avoid. Yeah. yeah. Like, sometimes they don't show too much on a, a, some of these trailers, and like, especially if I'm already going to see it, you know, I don't need to be persuaded anymore. Right. Okay. Yeah. You know, we I'm, went through that like bad period in like the 90s you guys remember where like every trailer showed like the critical part of the movie yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. like it was really bad it was it was like it was like a three or four year window where like if you saw the trailer you knew how that fucker ended like instantly Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. he's like like, i'm the killer we we gotta we gotta get more we gotta get more of the cast uh of uh kai on the show we just talked about uh mike flanagan on below the belt by the way like oh no come on um so mike flanagan who's from towson university chachi mm-hmm. he's the creator of haunting of hill house bly manor he's got a new show ally which i know you're watch called the fall of the house of usher yeah yeah so, with the, so yeah so this is a modern remix short story uh of the edgar oh. Allan Poe. Yes. yeah interesting yeah so uh story yeah, Frank Langella plays Roderick Usher, the patriarch of the Usher dynasty. Mary McConnell plays Roderick's twin sister, Madeline, the hidden hand of the family. Uh, Carl Lumbly's in it, Carla Gugino, uh, August Dupin, um, and uh, just added to the cast, Henry Thomas from E.T. fame. Um, I love that he uses like all the same cast. Yeah, yeah, just like American Horror Story, right? Yeah. I hope, it, I hope it plays a song, yeah, um, in the series. Yeah. Oh, I get it. Yeah, Usher, yeah. Usher, like Usher joke. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we were talking about like you know um, being woke or whatever, and I, I think it's you know it, it's good to do that uh, you know to a certain extent. But um, here there's a Netflix show called All the Light We Cannot See. They found its lead actress. And it's a blind teenager, um, and they wanted to cast a blind or low-vision actress. 
I remember years ago, it, it didn't matter if the actor wasn't actually blind, you know? Right. It, it was it okay. And, Bill Burr, sorry, uh, Bill Burr no, did a great right. on this. He, yeah. Uh, he was talking about what, after uh, Brian Cranston got all that shit for pay, playing a paraplegic in the movie, and he was like, well, how come they didn't find it? And he's like, because it's called acting. It's not the right. real thing. He's like, yes. Top Gun didn't have actual fighter pilots in the fucking yeah. you know thing. Like you don't you don't go find the person to do the thing. It's an actor pretending right. every time, every single time. <laughs> so, this is exactly what they did in Hawkeye, guys. With Alec Cox playing Maya Echo character who is deaf, they wanted to find an actual blind actress. You know, they could have auditioned you know you know perfectly you know perfect vision actresses to portray a blind actor but uh yeah they want to go woke they want to go you know representation matters you know so uh but yeah her name more of what i guess like the problem Mm -hmm. is like i wish um like on the same side like um like people who are blind or like deaf a lot of times they can't get like even though it's acting like they can't get roles right that are like different and things like that so it's like i think it's more that um, that if there was yeah. like equal opportunity for like all different roles, then um, it would be different. Yeah, I think equal thing. opportunity. I mean, they nobody's stopping them from trying out, but like, right? Optics matter. Like, look, I'm an actor, and I'd like to think I'm good. If somebody is shooting a film about NBA players, they're gonna let me read, but my five seven ass is not gonna get cast. Right. And and I'm like I'm not. I'm not being disenfranchised by that. It's just not, you know. Right. And you're okay with it. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, if, we're, if we're doing a, a film about slavery in the South, uh, they're not going to cast a multicolored. You're not going to see a whole lot of Caucasians out there working the field. And and they're not being oppressed for being left out of that window. Like, there's there's inclusion representation, which are good things. And then there's the viability of actually portraying art. Uh, right. the, know, I think that was really well said, Martin. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this actress is named Aria Mia Liberte, and just like Alec Cox, a newcomer. So, so, so they're, they're, you have to find people out of obscurity and make them. Like, I guess stars, that's my you know? thing. Like, I guess that's my mm-hmm. thing. Is like, is this a girl has been blind all of her life, but like, has obviously heard movies and wanted to do the same thing. Like, I guess that's my thing. Like, has she been right. like? I want to act even though I'm blind or, or is this a, well, we're just seeking out like the best mm-hmm. possible option for someone who's blind. Right. Yeah, I mean, if she's, if she's great, fine. I mean, I'm she right. She's a great actress, I mean, but if she, yeah. if she sucks and they're just afraid of backlash, you know, which they had in the past, like they had, um, where Scarlett, Scarlett Johansson was going to play that, um, a trans character and then the movie oh got yeah a lot of a lot of backlash on that got yeah. shamed the hell for it um you know it's like all these different and she bowed um, out she bowed out of it yeah i mean i mean why do you think they they hire like people like actors to play these um martial artists like you know in cobra kai and so these kids don't know martial arts but if you pick the best martial artists they'd suck as actors so right, um, right. they're trained martial artists you know, and it's taking acting jobs away from real martial be, artists. Acting should always be first. You're right. I agree. Um, and the director even said, we searched the world and reviewed thousands of auditions. We never thought our path would lead to someone who has not only never acted professionally, never auditioned before, but it was yeah, a jaw-drop moment when we saw Aria I mean, maybe Maitreya. she's great. 
Like she's good. You know, I've seen it. She's good. They, they, yeah, so she, yeah. I, I don't think they compromise on talent here. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. But would they also hire somebody who never acted before, never auditioned before in such a prominent role? It wasn't role. blind. It yeah. wasn't blind. Yeah. Like, you know, for a different role. Right. Yeah, no, so. probably not. Probably not. So we'll have to check it out. Um, I'm curious to see um, all the like we cannot see. Again, it's the name of the. I really um, don't care. Any, I don't care either way. I probably never see the movies. So I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, for you Cowboy Bebop fans, if you're a fan yeah. of the live action series, bad news, guys. It's been canceled at Netflix. Uh, after just uh. one season. And I was just mentioning John Cho from Harold and Kumar. Big fan of his work. Uh, yeah. He played Spike. And uh, Mustafa Shakir played Jet Black. Yeah. And uh, and sadly, sadly, I uh, didn't get a diff- um, a second season. It had a 46% uh, critics uh, on Rotten Tomatoes and only a 54% audience approval. Yeah. Wasn't that a it popular was, series? Uh, I've been hearing a lot about it, but I've never seen it. Yeah, Wasn't Martin, have you watched it? Yeah, I, I watched like five or six episodes. Uh, and okay. I love the original Cowboy Bebop. Uh, okay. It's okay. It, it, it's worth watching. It's entertaining. I think the problem is that the original anime has a super cult following. Like, Cowboy Bebop fans are fans. Yeah. Right. And this show really isn't an accurate representation of the cartoon. So, any of the old school fans that went to see their favorite characters didn't get that shit at all. And then anybody that uh, was just picking the show up for the first time, uh, they played, they, they like tried to match it up with the anime enough that like the story doesn't flow as much so i think like by trying to split the middle they just missed both camps does that make sense Mm, yeah it's like it's not bad like i I would say check it out it's not going to be wowed but it's like you're not you won't be disappointed you saw it either like it's a perfectly decent show just not yeah that's the thing it's hard to get if they left the final episode of season one at a cliffhanger we're not going to get anything uh, after that. So that's mm-hmm. the only thing. Yeah. yeah this but, is why I usually wait uh, while I watch a new series. You know, okay. like Mandalorian or whatever. I know it's going to be fine. But if it's like right. some kind of series that hasn't been around before and people really don't know about it, like I don't want to get real heavily invested and have them just pull the rug out you know, after one season. Oh, yeah. And, that's you know, the and then you never figure out what really happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it yep. sounds like dating. Like, I've been hurt before. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, oh, yeah, careful. they did that oh, with Glow. They did it with Jupiter's Legacy. Yeah, Glow was real disappointing. because That, was, that yeah, was a huge, huge Great thing. show, right? Yeah. Great show. No closure or wrap-up for that series at all. That sucks. I know. Moving on to HBO, guys. The finale apparently draw crazy, crazy numbers. 1.7 million viewers across all platforms in same-day viewing. Wow. Um, people talk great things about succession i've yet to tune in but they uh someone kind of spoiled it on a post said it was they went all game of thrones in the finale which obviously well alludes don't, to killing it it killing no no i i didn't see i didn't even read it or no but it alludes to someone uh, getting killed um is what i'm interpreting that spoiler post you thank you, love spoilers. you love spoilers. <laughs> no, i don't personally love it i don't i don't You're like i'm not saying anything to somebody definitely <laughs> <gets> killed. All <laughs> right. <laughs> so this HBO show, I highly recommend. Why? Because I actually went to a screening in Cast Q&A New York. It's called Station Eleven. Now, it's what's crazy about it. it, it it's about a deadly flu. <laughs> and as you know, we're currently in a pandemic, and they talked about it in the Q&A. 
how they just started production in like February of 2020. Uh, wow. And uh, little did they know that this series, um, which talks about this viral plague that decimates the world population, I mean, this basically you get two timelines in this series. You have the young girl, and then 20 years later as an adult, uh, first dealing with the virus, being one of the few survivors, and then 20 years into the future, she's in this carnival of some of the few survivors from this deadly virus, this deadly flu. Um, and I got to tell you guys, it was captivating. I know we're in a pandemic right now, maybe not the most appropriate show to watch during this time, but and I'm sure that the... the, the <laughs> the showrunners were thinking, but it, it is based on um, a sci-fi apocalyptic novel of the same name, Station Eleven. Um, but uh, wow, what a series! It's a mini series, so this has a finite end. So um, I highly recommend it, guys. HBO Max, December sixteenth. Okay. You might know Mackenzie Davis from the recent Terminator movie. She was also in the movie Tully. She's absolutely beautiful, um, stunning actress, very, very, very great. And uh, Himesh Patel from the um, Yesterday movie about the Beatles. He that's stars a great movie. Phenomenal movie. Yeah, so. that is a good I need movie. to see that. That's another it's good really one good. to add to the list, Alex. Good. Very original, clever movie. Yes, and definitely check out Station Eleven, guys. Highly recommend. Uh, let's see over on Amazon, which BBC and Amazon. Um, it's... Uh, a trailer for a very British scandal with Claire Foy and Paul Bettany, Vision himself. <laughs> uh, check it out. Um, I probably won't watch this series, but, uh, um, you know, I am a fan of uh, Paul Bettany and Claire Foy. Nonetheless, I think it should be really cool. Um, over on Apple, Servant will get a season four. Uh, and I need it will to be watch the... season two. And you... Please There's a season three? It. Season three uh, had uh, actually. How did they, I miss this? I loved season no, no, one. No, no, season, Allie, season three doesn't drop. Uh, see, season three drops in January. Okay. Okay, so you haven't missed season three. <laughs> I just need to watch season course, two. I'm still in season one. Oh, and we saw course, you. you. You check out my scene, season yeah. one. Allie, you saw me. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I play one of the cult members in season one. Yeah. It's a great set to be on. Long, 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 long night of shooting. Um, uh, so crazy that on my way home from set, I, I, I was starting to get drowsy behind the wheel. I had to pull over and, and, and rest because it went a little longer. I remember you, talk, always I remember I, I you talking about that. Did I tell you about that? Yeah. I remember that, yeah. Ooh, always it was scary. Always pull yeah, over. That's, yeah. Get some caffeine. I've had to like pull like it was like three in the morning filming and then had to pull off to the side of the road, take a nap. If yeah, you, if you I've feel those that. eyes get heavy, don't even risk it. Mm-hmm. Try to stay up. Just pull over. Because even like 15 to 20 minutes of just resting your eyes will help. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, nice um, little so power nap. Yes, exactly. So highly recommend it. Um, so yeah, Servant Season 4, Greenlit. And it will be the final season, Allie. So the story will wrap up. How was Season 2? Um, I'm I'm only on season one. I'm only on my. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, like you, I'm still on season two. Um, but highly recommended nonetheless, guys. I know I only watch my season, right? It's kind of selfish. <laughs> All right, over on ha- over on Paramount Plus, we have Halo. This is a TV show based on the popular um, video game. 
Um, Pablo Shriver as a master chief, the lead protagonist in several of the Halo uh, video games. We have uh, Natasha McElhone as Dr. Catherine Halsey. Um, And uh, yeah, I mean, the the trailer looks really great. I never really got into the video game. I know uh, Captain Big Nick is our resident gamer. But uh, as you know, Captain Big Nick is taking a little hiatus from the show as he is a new dad. So, of course, uh, uh, we have to say congratulations to the Captain Big Nick, Basil. I know uh, he's even pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> Good for Nick. Good for Nick. Have a, oh, um, my God. Do you have a boy or girl? Uh, he had a girl. Aww. Oh, yeah. He's going to be a good dad. Sure. Yeah, he, he will be a good dad. <laughs> All right, there's actually shows on network television. I'm since <laughs> shows that, that that are not on streaming. <laughs> yeah. But you can still stream well, them. Though. You can still stream them. Yeah. Yes. yes. They're probably uh, on Right. So CW's uh, Gotham Knights is a TV series in the works from the CW. It's going to be from three Batwoman writers. So um, it's based on the characters for DC. It's not a spinoff of Batwoman. Um, basically, in the wake of Bruce Wayne's murder, his rebellious adopted son forges an unlikely alliance with the children of Batman's enemies. Okay, so it's like a generational thing, I guess, um, when they're all framed for killing the uh, Cape Crusader. Wow, so it's kind of like a, almost a um, a what-if storyline, you know, as they're framed for killing Batman, all the, the children of all the rogues gallery. Um Interesting, interesting plot line. Um, Why would they well, blame the, um, the original villains? Why are they just going to blame the children? Well, the children mm. are the ones committing the crime. It's the, no, no, no. But they said they all are accused of of killing Bruce Wayne. Yes, I believe but the so. The children of the of the original villains. Like, why would they? Why would they point their fingers at the original villains? Why just the children of them? Uh, you guys um, so can have a new hero fight the kid so that you can use like Damien uh, uh, Agul or whatever. Mm. Yeah. You probably you probably like need a new protagonist. You need a new yeah. Well, it's the, it's the adopted general. son. The adopted son is the protagonist, but you definitely stop me, Josh. I don't know. I mean, oh, it's Terry an, McGinnis. Yeah, I mean, it's an unlikely alliance with the children of Batman's enemies, as they are all framed for killing the Cape Crusader. So. Uh. Yeah, kind of crazy. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Um, let's see. Uh, over on Fox, Lou Diamond Phillips. Remember him, Chachi? Oh, yeah. La Bamba. He's got a smoking oh. daughter. Google her. Her name is Gracie really? Phillips. Gracie Phillips. Smoking. I want to check that out right now. But ah, they're going to work. <laughs> they're going to work together on a, a TV series called The Cleaning Lady. Um, this will mark the Great. first time that the father-daughter duo have acted together on screen. Also stars Elodie Young. Um, and uh, yeah, Lou will play uh, Joe, a charming, self-centered luxury car salesman. Okay. Uh, and Grace will play his daughter, who's been estranged from her father since her mother's death. So, um, okay. Uh, oh, good wow, luck that's, with that. That's his daughter? <laughs> like she must have like he must, her mother must be the hottest woman ever to live well i mean he's, well he's a handsome guy he's right? famous yeah probably. but yeah, yeah but i still do that like i mean she's, i like she, him she's gorgeous though isn't she oh yeah yeah, yeah I, I think he's cool and whatever but i mean you wouldn't see her be like oh yeah that's definitely 
Lou Diamond Phillips' daughter. Okay. <laughs> I know you said the same thing about Lily Collins because you're like. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> Lily's oh, yeah. beautiful, Phil. but you're like, Phil's She's not very so handsome. beautiful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Allie, you got a, you got a girl crush on uh, Lily mm-hmm. Collins, don't you? I love Lily Collins. <laughs> and I was so mad that I'll get to meet her. I know. I'm sorry. But I did I did let you know as soon as I met her and said, Allie says hello. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, love some Annie Murphy from Schitt's Creek. She will be in an animated show on Freeform called Praise Petey. Okay. Um, she's in the lead role, um, and it's from SNL writer writer Anna Dresen, or Dresen, which follows a New York City it girl who has it all until her life comes crashing down around her. Okay. Uh, and John Cho is joining that cast, which now he's uh, unemployed because Cowboy Bebop got canceled. So I guess it makes sense for him to move on to another another show. But, you know, obviously it's animated. So um, but nonetheless. And uh, over on NBC, uh, we had uh, Saturday Night Live hosted by Billie Eilish, uh, who had a, you know, quite quite an entertaining monologue, although I could tell she was completely teleprompting reading it um in other words i doubt i doubt she wrote any of the jokes (laughs) uh but she says she said that the real reason that she wore the big oversized clothes is that she was really two kids stacked on top of each other trying to sneak into a rated r movie (laughs) that's actually pretty funny Um, (laughs) and she says her birthday is one week from today she'll be turning 20 and the internet calls Hmm. that middle age (laughs) <laughs> that is well, she has some, some funny moments she has some funny moments on there um you also saw uh pete davison and uh andrew dismix do a funny cuomo brothers skit and they're uh two two brothers that are now recently unemployed <laughs> andrew cuomo chris cuomo oh it was pretty funny guys but uh oh, what happened to the other cuomo so as you know chris well First, Andrew Cuomo, as you know, the disgrace yeah, uh, governor of New York, uh, was accused of sexual harassment. Chris Cuomo, his brother, who's the anchor on CNN, mm-hmm. he got into heat because apparently he really? was assisting and trying to cover up those allegations and using his resources as a CNN um, you know, journalist to try to sweep things under the rug. Allegedly. This is surprising because the media is usually very, very fair. Yeah, is that was was any of that validated, or is just like the rumor was floated out there and the network got rid of him? They actually did an investigation, Martin, because originally he was just suspended. Yeah. And after further investigation, they uh, confirmed that Chris Cuomo did a lot more than just offering offering some brotherly advice, so to speak. Oh shit. Yeah, but you know he's in a he's in a rock and a hard place. You gotta. You got to feel for Chris because it is his brother and he loves his brother dearly and he's in yeah. a position of power as a, as a powerful journalist. He's going to do whatever he can, but as long as it wasn't shady, maybe he I can... just think it's, it's, I just don't know what a journalist could do. Like you could not run the story, but how did you prevent like any other anchor or any other newsroom in the country from running the tale? Like I just, you know, I mean, if they looked into it, fine. It's an odd thing. Well, because the people there, I'm sure were on his side. And they're yeah. only now um, mm-hmm. going against them because um, mm-hmm. it came out. Yeah. Yeah, like exactly. I could see the inverse. I could see like the governor brother covering up stuff for like a media sibling. But, you know. Yep. 
you know, he just got one show on one network. I don't know how I that know. like like a nationwide still. I don't know, whatever. Yeah, but <laughs> if he was trying to cover up something, like if, if he had like a Republican brother trying to cover up some scandal, CNN never would have went along with it. Yeah. Because they were on his side, you know, that's when they like, mm, you know, I see. The, um, cover up. Okay, that's interesting. Okay. Well, I think this is a good time to take, to take a Christmas cut break. And uh, Chachi, you're probably asking, do you have the Christmas, Chachi's Christmas theme, right? Is that what you're probably inquiring? Yes, I do. Let's hear that. All right, so here we go. Ho, ho, ho. It is time for Chachi's Classic Christmas Cuts. Put these chestnuts in your mouth. Chachi's Wow, that that theme is so old. <laughs> that Christmas theme. <laughs> and you know, we're talking about the actual chestnuts, like nothing else. There's no right, or right. anything with it. Of course. Um, you know, you know, the SJWs could be up on. Yeah, just trying to have some fun here, but yeah, it's been a super, super, super hard couple of weeks. You know, personally for for myself. Um, as people who know me, I lost my grandfather this past week. Um, last week, and um, you know, like a lot of people, like with your grandparents, you know, it, it could mean so many different things. Like, yeah, I didn't know my grandfather much at all on my dad's side, but this is this was my um, mom's father, and super close. Like, if you watch the Goldbergs, you know, you know the relationship mm-hmm. with Adam Goldberg and his pops is like how. Mine was like really like oh, a second, wow. yeah, really so like a second sorry. father to me. Thank you, thank you. And he lived to be 90 years old, which I definitely appreciate. You know, I'm 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 thankful for that. But absolutely, you know, it's like, it, it, and you hear that a lot. Like, oh, he lived to be a good age, and it's true. But you know, it just gives you more time to like love somebody and have more memories together, and it makes yeah. the, the loss even harder. Um, but yeah, the super close, you know, since I was a little kid, always lived close to him, always was doing stuff with him, going crabbing for people who are in the Maryland area, you know, catching Maryland um, crabs, you know, on the bay or the Y River, um, you know, going to work with him. He was a plumber, like a, was a big um, Sicilian man. And I, I told this story on um, Facebook and plus, you know, all my family members know about the story and stuff like that. Um, you know, he definitely was the strongest guy I ever knew and he was strong from working hard and never lifted a weight in his life and like one time i was like must have been like in middle school and we were um i was on a job with him just you know hanging out with him on a saturday which i often would do and and he started his own plumbing company and we were on a, a job we saw like a, i saw a manhole like in the street next to where we were working at and i heard stories about him being able to lift up a manhole cover using just his two fingers Wow. And, and I heard the story and I'm like, Grandpa, show me how you can lift up that manhole using your, your two fingers. And he kind of smiled and like, there's these three guys that were working on a different crew near ours. So he walked over there and he bet them that he could lift up this manhole cover using his two fingers. <laughs> at the time, he was probably like around 60 years old. And, you know, they kind of just laughed at him. They're like, OK, there's no way this old man is going to lift up this manhole cover. So they each bet him like 20 bucks, you know, so he kind of crouched down, put his fingers in the manhole picked it up, you know, and these things are super heavy, slid it to the side, and, like, their eyes got super big, and they were like, they're like, 
that white man is crazy. <laughs> they started shouting. <laughs> and, oh, like, wow. And they walked over to pay him. And he's like, no, no, no. Like, like he didn't want their money. He just wanted to prove to his um, grandson That's amazing. that he could do it. You know, um, awesome. yeah, definitely like a hero to me. And like, Crab um, back. Oh, my God. Yeah. And they don't didn't make him like that anymore. And he was still working three days a week at the plumbing company that he started, you know, working in the um, warehouse. He actually, like, week before he died, he was um, cutting um, copper pipe, you know, scrap metal that they had there that they um, sell. He was cutting with a hacksaw. So just, like, super strong, like, just a um, like man's man, but, you know, with a heart of gold. You know, we always would tell each other that we, we loved each other whenever we talk on the phone and just, like, you know, just one of the most important people of my life ever. So, um, you had a great service for him. You know, he was in the Navy. They had the, um, you know, the, the honor ceremony with the, um, mm-hmm. people from the Navy, there playing, um, taps on the bugle. Um, you know, I was happy. Um, Al, um, came out to the, um, viewing a couple of days ago and course, so did, um, yeah, so did rookie, um, who long, long time people on the show know, um, remember the rookie monster was one of the BTB originals. So it really just helps having, um, good friends, you know, there to uh, support you in like uh, such a horrible time. And there's, um, you know, especially everybody on Facebook too, and sending, um, personal messages and just prayers when he was in the hospital and everything. And I, I posted a lot about him in the past years and, you know, that's mm-hmm. one of the people really to get to know him and just like know this amazing man. He was very humble. So I wanted people to know how good he was. So I always like to post stuff about him on Facebook. Um, but yeah, I was trying to think of a track to pick for him to honor <laughs> him. And, and he didn't really like that much, um, you know, many that much music. I mean, his music was really old school. Like I didn't even try to get to talk to him about Elvis and he wasn't really into Elvis. He really? was into older, <laughs> older people. So like older than right. Elvis. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So he's like, you know, people like, um, one of his favorites was, um, Patsy Patsy Klein. Klein. I think Burt yeah. Yeah, yeah. One of his favorites was like Patsy Klein, and I would, you know, I'd go and like meet him for dinner and stuff, and pick him up from his house, and I would like play the songs, you know, that he would would like on the radio, you know, through my um, Apple Music or whatever. Um, but I'd play a lot of Patsy Klein for him. So I was trying to find a Patsy Klein Christmas song. An interesting story is they actually wrote a song for Patsy Klein, you know, because she never had a Christmas song. And they wrote it for her back in 1960 for her to record and release. But her um, higher ups, you know, her managers and stuff like that um, kind of put the kibosh on her doing that song for some reason and had her do more of like a um, similar type of song, but more of like a love song. Um, So she never had to record this Christian song that was written and arranged specifically for her. And it wasn't until um, 2008 that somebody... um, um, you know, a current artist found the song um, and, and the writers of the song were still alive and she actually recorded it in a way that was meant for um, Patsy Cline way back in 1960. And Patsy Cline actually died in a, at a young age. Um, she only did three albums in 1963. So, you know, maybe she would have um, got a chance to record that song in person if it was, um, you know, she, she didn't die in that horrible um, plane crash. Mm-hmm. But this song actually was... Um, recorded by an artist named Luann Hunt, and um, it's called Christmas Without You. And it's actually a song about um, a breakup, but if you listen to most of the lyrics, it, it really could be about, you know, somebody who um, lost a loved one. And in this case, you know, my grandfather, we had a lot of Christmas traditions, you know, go to church, 
every um, Christmas morning, and um, and then we would go eat at a relative's house, and it was always one of the, the people that I wanted to see on Christmas all the time. But this is for my grandfather. This is Christmas Without You, and it's by Luann Hunt. So rest in peace, Grandpa. Touch our condolences uh, on behalf of all the BTB co-hosts and everyone, um, all your friends. We, we support you, our condolences, and I know your grandfather means a lot to you. So, um, yeah. So, all right. So, uh, we're going to go on to the um, Christmas cut, and we'll be back right after that. So, don't go anywhere. There's laughter all around me, but my heart still aches for you. Chacha, that was a yeah. good dedication to your grandfather. Yeah, it's been a couple of weeks, man. It's been a long couple of weeks. Like the hardest time of my life. And I always tell everybody this, like if you have family members, especially like elder, elderly family members and maybe the ones that you aren't that close to, just reach out to them. Like, you know, and even ones that you are close to, like a lot of people get busy in their everyday life. And I never was too busy. I, I call them like at least three times a week and I, I usually would see him in person twice a month but um if you don't have that kind of relationship you know definitely get it now yeah reach out to him even set a reminder on your phone if you want to call like your grandparents you know or if you have elderly um parents or whatever because like times is way too short and um yeah, and learn about your family history you. like a couple yeah. of um a few years ago uh, i took my grandfather with my uncle and cousin and we went down um down in the city where Baltimore City where he was born and like near Holland's Market and we saw his childhood home we saw the school he went to and he told us the history of, of it and when he like was a teenager working at that market um down there in like the you know 30s and 40s you know and just you know just jot down the information you know and, and just record your family history because you know, once um, that person's gone, you know, if you don't have that stuff written down or recorded in some way, then that family history is gone, you know. So ask ask your um, grandparents a lot of questions if you're still alive, you know, ask them about where they met. You know, I know all that kind of information. Like my um, grandfather was in the Navy. My grandmother actually, um, he was stationed up in Boston where my grandmother lived. And she actually, like, um, her and her sister heard about there was some party some hall that the sailors rented out and they crashed the party you know back in those days wow. i guess before the dating apps or whatever and my grandmother actually asked my grandfather three times to dance before he wasn't much of a dancer but after the third time then then he finally danced with her and you know that led to you know my mom being born and me being born and all the cousins and you know, grandkids and great grandkids and stuff like that. So it's amazing how just that one day, if she didn't crash that party and if she didn't ask my grandfather to dance, if she only asked two times instead of three times, then I wouldn't be here right mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. Does that sound like Back to the I Future a little bit? Yeah, just trying yeah. to entertain you. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like Back to the Future a little bit. So. Yeah. yeah. Take, take, take lessons, ladies. Wait, what? Right, right, right. Do we have a surprise? Surprise? Yeah. Join us? What is this? Yo. 
Blind Beckwith. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> didn't know you're going to be. Didn't know you're joining us for the Christmas uh, show. I didn't even. Oh, it's the Christmas show. Did <laughs> <laughs> he log on by accident? Going on. Yeah, you're okay. just hitting stuff on your computer, aren't you? And you accidentally joined the chat. That's what it was. I, was, I, I think that's what did you know we were doing the show? One, one second I was looking at porn, and next thing I know I was looking at you guys. Like, what's going yeah, on? Right, uh, I could have, well, I could have turned this? a whole different way. Like, <laughs> if you were sharing your screen, we would have seen everything. Yeah. But let's go ahead and introduce him since he's joining us. He's the Cal Drogo of the DMV. From the hood to Hollywood, you might have seen him in Wonder Woman 1984. The reprisal and the upcoming HBO's Will in the City. The only good part about Wonder Woman 84, I thought. Oh, wow. Okay. Best actor. <laughs> Best actor in that whole film. Oh, fantastic. Wow. Lion Beckwith. Cal Drogo. Uh, I still AKA... didn't watch the whole movie, but I watched your part. <laughs> and Al was so are... mad at me. You were so mad at me for not watching the well, whole movie. People, well, people were watching because of you, Lion, of course, right? Listen, listen after my part, it kind of goes downhill. I yeah, don't that's all you it need does, to do. It does, it does. <laughs> <It's all good. laughs> oh, my God. Are you joining us for the rest of the show? That is a good question. Now that you accidentally clicked on the join call button. <laughs> this is yeah, the I, hope you're, I hope you're wearing pants. <laughs> yeah, you, you were watching porn. That's a good point. Hey, listen. No need for pants and porn. The <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cal Drogo. Well, uh, well, our next topic is uh, the upcoming um, Golden Globes. Now, the Golden Globes were a canceled award show because they didn't have enough diversity on their panel. However, they still revealed their nominees. So I figured... Uh, now, this is the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. They came under fire for not having any black members in their roughly 100-person organization. So it's not a big organization. Um, and a, also, they were accused uh, of accepting expensive gifts from studios to sway their votes. And no, other, <laughs> other, other unethical behavior. Um, so... <laughs> So, anyways, uh, Snoop Dogg actually read the the, the group's uh, selections for the best in television and film. I can't believe they had Snoop Dogg read it. Um, it he probably was high. Uh, but, yeah, let's talk about the nominees. I so like, uh, I feel like them reaching out to him is somehow more racist. So, like, <laughs> oh, really? No, for real. Because, like, that, like, that means they're trying to overcorrect. So, like, they're right. uniformly one color, and they're like, man, we need to get as black as possible. Who do we think is really black? Oh, <laughs> I mean, it's just, yeah, I don't know. It feels wrong to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. Netflix had the most nominations, 17 nods. Um, also, Apple's Ted Lasso and Morning Show fared well as well. Um, best television series, musical or comedy. Here, here are the nominees. The Great, Hacks, Only Murders in the Building, Reservation Dogs and Ted Lasso. All right. Um, yeah, now that Shit's Creek is no longer in uh, the running, um, curious to see who will win that one. All right. Television um, best performance by an actor in a TV series drama. So this is a this is an interesting one. Lee Jung Jae from Squid Game, the protagonist from Squid Game, getting 
a Golden Globe nomination for a, a TV series. Also, uh, Jeremy Strong and Brian Cox, both from Succession. Billy Porter from Pose and Omar Sy from Lupin. Um, you know, Succession is very, very popular, though, but I, I really see. I, I think this is Squid Game's year, man. You know, I, I, I see it. I think, yeah, I think they're going to give all so these awards. Many good to... Oh, Ali Dash, it's only the most watch watched it. show on I Netflix. Know. Almost Wait, you haven't million. seen that? It'll probably, what's two that? Billion, two billion viewers. No, it's going to be our, we're watching Lock and Key, right. and then after Lock and Key, I think we're going to watch Squid Games. Yeah. Severe anxiety to the whole thing, but it was very, it was very good, and it kept you on the edge of your seat, and it's a very interesting take on uh, society and greed. Um, so it was very good, but I was like, I can't watch this at night. I'll have nightmares. So. <laughs> yeah. That's Absolutely. just me. I'm probably all closing my eyes a lot. Yeah. Did you guys see they set up a real-life squid game? See, this is so. what's wrong people yeah like so they, well nobody dies like they so it's the same games the same general settings but they instead of real guns they put up like paintball stuff you oh, could that's go cool. through oh, super cool yeah. right so you could do like red light and green light and like you just died just got pelted if you like moved i thought it was a great idea yeah every every game could yeah. work if you don't if you yeah. paintballs yeah yeah so if you just don't die yeah <laughs> yeah that we remove that aspect that would be cool <laughs> Uh, let's see. We have best performance. Well, that by... takes the fun out of it, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. Uh, let's see. Best performance by an actress in a limited series. Uh, Jessica Chastain, Cynthia Revo, Elizabeth Olsen for WandaVision, Margaret Qualley for Quaid, and Kate Winslet. Mayor of Easttown. I got to get this one to Kate Winslet, man. Um, I'm only saying that because you were on the show. I show I could have shown. But I'm telling you, the show is amazing, guys. Hey, and I and I loved uh, WandaVision. I watched all of WandaVision, but I really think it's but Kate you Winslet. Weren't on WandaVision, so you I wasn't on Mayor East Town. <laughs> That's a very good point. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, let's see, best director in a motion this picture. This is why they need to have black people and all the stuff to call out people like you bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> You people. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> you don't think they made it okay by having Snoop read some cue cards? I thought, I thought that was all fair game that, now. I think that was <laughs> Snoop was a good call, man. He was perfect, man. Yeah, like, like Martin said, you don't get no blacker than Snoop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel I feel like they had a conference meeting. They're like, all right, who can we get that like really black us up? I'm like oh. <laughs> right. It, it, I mean, next to Snoop Dogg is like Flavor Flav or something like <laughs> Coolio. <laughs> right. All right. We got the best director. Like, the whole thing, they they put them two on there and everybody's credit score like went down just a couple. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. All right. Best director, guys. Kenneth Branagh, Belfast, James Campion, Power of the Dog, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Lost Daughter. Steven Spielberg, West Side Story, and Dennis Villeneuve for Dune. Interesting. And, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know either. Like, I just, I can't, like, Kenneth Bono is one of my favorite humans ever. So I don't know if he deserves it, but I'm rooting for him anyway. Okay. Uh, and then Dune is interesting because Dune was so well done. I love And it. I want to give him credit for, it's one mm -hmm. of those things like Lord of the Rings. It's so hard to do well that to do it well is 
you know, whatever. But then, like, I'm just curious how much of that is directing versus acting and cinematography. The cinematography in Dune was really impressive. Yeah. Know. It's a tough call. Yeah. All right. Uh, performance by an actress in a motion picture, musical, or comedy. Marion Cotillard. Elena Hain for Licorice Pizza. Jennifer Lawrence, Don't Look Up. Emma Stone, Corella, And Rachel Zegler, West Side Story. Yes, I was in Don't Look Up, but am I going to give the nod to Jennifer uh-huh. Lawrence? Uh-huh. <laughs> Wait, I just I a pattern. To laugh. There's a pattern here. But I, I think just... I need to watch Licorice Pizza first because I heard that's getting a lot of rave reviews. So, uh, Let's see. Motion picture actor in a drama. Mahershala Ali, Swan Song. Javier Bardem being the Ricardos. Benedict Cumberbatch. Power of the Dog, Will Smith, King Richard, and Denzel Washington, The Tragedy of Macbeth. Wow. There mm. are some great, great nominees. Chachi, I know you've seen um, King Richard. Yes. Um, is Will Smith deserving of the best performance by an actor in a drama I thought, film? I thought he did great. Like, I mm-hmm. actually saw it. I was, I was trying to avoid traffic coming home from Virginia Beach, and so I just made a pit stop and went and saw a movie. To wait for traffic to die down, and I was really impressed with um, that movie. But I don't know what it is. It seems like every movie that comes out nowadays is like two and a half hours long. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, it, yeah. It seems like like fifty percent of the movies out now are like around that time range. So yeah. it's a big commitment now to see movies. Um, but yeah, I re- really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great story. That the two um, young actresses who um, played Venus and Serena did a great job. Um, yeah, you know. Definitely learned a lot about the story, and uh, and he's still alive too. The um, you know, the um, the father of the two girls. I'll have to so check like it he, out. He went yeah. through a lot to um, to you know, give them an opportunity to become the best in the world. Wow! Yeah, I've heard I've heard about it, but I I cannot wait to watch it. So thank you. He for was that the movie. Joe Jackson of tennis. Yeah, that's what that's what he was he was rough with the girls. I heard he was really oh, rough. Yeah. But see, that's my thing. Like people you get that about him, you get it about like Tiger's parents. Yeah, it's like, oh man, their yeah. parents didn't start yet. And they turned into some of the most successful humans ever. So, you know, what do you want? Do you want a tissue or do you want your kid to be like an iconic historic millionaire? Like make a choice. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I clearly need to beat my kids more. Oh, right. no. Right. 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 Put those suckers into boot camp and they'll buy you a Mercedes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we got best television series drama. Lupin, which I've never even heard of the show on Netflix. The Morning Show. Well, I thought Apple you said Lupus. Oh, like, no, not Lupus. <laughs> like, what oh, yeah. show is that? I know. Seriously, right? <laughs> That's got to be heard. interesting, right? <laughs> Lupin. Uh, the Morning Show. Like super. It's a show, lazy show. Everybody's just tired. Like, mm, oh. you say a line. No, you say your line. <laughs> uh, let's see. Pose on FX, <laughs> Succession, X- HBO Max, and Squid Game, guys. Oh wow. I don't know. It's it's between Squid Game and Succession. Oh, well, we'll have to see about that one. Best performance by an actress in a drama TV series. Uzo Aduba in Treatment. Jennifer Aniston, The Morning Show. Christine Baranski, The Good Fight. Elizabeth Moss, Handmaid's Tale. Michaela J. Rodriguez, Pose. Okay. Um, I don't know if I can make a call on this one. I think 
I've seen Uzo Aduba's show. I went to the SAG screening Q&A. She's a phenomenal actress. I mean, of course, she's Crazy Eyes from Orange is New Black. Yep. Jennifer Aniston did great in the morning show. Um, and everybody's favorite is Elizabeth Moss from Henry's Tale. So it, that's a toss-up. I'm not sure who's going to win that one. Um, all right. Um, and this one, I, this one is definitely on what Lion said earlier. Best performance by an actor in a limited series. Michael Keaton for Dope Sick. Um, <laughs> he's got my vote. Um, we also have Paul Bettany in WandaVision. Oscar Isaac, seen from a marriage. Um, Ewan McGregor for Halston and Tahar Rahim in The Serpent. I mean, yeah, I, I'm already biased. I wasn't even on Dope Sick. I mean, but Michael Keaton is just phenomenal, man. I mean, you, you don't get no better than Michael Keaton. Jeez. Right? Very phenomenal. Nice. Phenomenal. Uh, best performance by an actor in a motion picture or comedy. Your boy Peter Dinklage for Cyrano. Nominated. Mm-hmm. Andrew Garfield, Tick, Tick, Boom. Leonardo DiCaprio, Don't Look Up. Cooper Hoffman, Licorice Pizza. And Anthony Ramos in The Heights. A lot of buzz mm-hmm. for Peter Dinklage's role for Cyrano. I definitely have to check that out. Another one of my favorite favorite actors yeah ridiculous my my favorite literally between first place for me is peter dinklage and um jeffrey wright jeffrey wright yeah bernard from uh um, westworld yeah yeah Yeah. top top my top actors but but really for two different reasons though um peter dinklage just because of the adversity he you know faced being a little person and refusing to play a little person in in roles such as elves and things like that, and to get right. to where he's gotten, I mean, geez. Um, and of course, Jeffrey Wright, just because he's amazing, yeah. amazing. Both of them are phenomenal actors, but um, like I said, they're my two of my favorites. Just you're right. And Peter Dinklage's Netflix film, um, the one with that crazy woman. Um, oh yeah. Uh, you know yeah, what I'm talking about? Yeah, uh, yeah. The names escape me of that, but, but he, they never once made a reference to his size um, or that he was a little person. It was never even brought up. Like, it's not not even, yeah. So, yeah, you're right, Lion. That's that's what they're they're looking at him purely for his acting ability. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but I got to vouch for uh, both Andrew Garfield and Leo DiCaprio because I've seen both of their films. I saw Anthony Ramos in In the Heights. He did good. But Leo DiCaprio played a role very different than his usual role is playing like a nerdy scientist astronomer type of guy, which you never really see, you know, you see the wall street type and the very, uh, macho and machismo roles. This is a very different role for him. This Always time seen. he was playing Chachi. Got it. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then we have Andrew Garfield who in tick, tick, boom, who knew that the guy could sing, who knew Spider-Man could, uh, could uh, do all those amazing things that uh, uh, that John Lars, the, the uh, actor, the the person you know that invented it? Rent, basically created I Rent. Saw him, I saw him do an interview on that, and uh, he got the call that we all get. Like, well, look at it. You can you do this thing? And he said, and I lied. And I said, yes. And he said, I knew I had nine months to learn how to sing, so he goes and takes voice lessons. What? Yeah. Wow. yeah he said straight up. He's like, I gotta right. put this together. Yeah. Whatever they ask, can you do this? Yes, I'm great at it. Yep. See? I lost two roles because I didn't lie. Yep. Yeah, you gotta lie. Yep. I was supposed to be on uh, Queen of the South. They called me. 
they speak want, Spanish. I mean, they were ringing off the hook, and I'm like, what's going on? Like, my agent's going crazy, and I'm like, what? And they're like, oh, Queen itself, they want you, they really want you, they want to just know, do you, can you speak Spanish? <laughs> no! Fuck, if you put it in the goddamn script, I can speak it. I mean, I did the audition in Spanish, because right. you put it in the script. No, I can't speak goddamn Spanish. I just look Spanish. Give me, get out of here. <laughs> so, in yeah, hindsight, yeah. you... You would have said that you spoke Spanish to at least, yeah. you know, get a little further in the process. No, I, I, no, I, okay. I, I refuse. No, I didn't want to go down there and look like a jackass if they said, hey, we want you to improv this part in Spanish. I didn't know. I'm, I'm not going to sit there and look like a, 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 a jerk, a lying asshole because, you know. Nobody there knows who you're talking about because none of them speak Spanish, but then like it gets on the air. They're like, why is he asking where the library is? The sad part is I literally bounced. I was a bouncer at a Spanish club for 10 years. And all I learned was hola and baño. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh, best actress today music uh, a television series musical or comedy we have Elle fanning the great Issa ray insecure hannah einbinder for hacks tracy ellis ross blackish and gene smart hacks yeah you know we're spending more time on these nominees than the network's going to spend on the actual show right <laughs> right <laughs> uh, uh best Best limited series nominees. I'm going for Dope Sick, guys. Dope Sick, come on, let's let's win it. Um, Dope Sick, Sick is against Impeachment, American Crime Story, Made, Mayor of Easttown, and the Underground Railroad. Okay, maybe Mayor of Easttown and Dope Sick for tied. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> Definitely a pattern here. <laughs> uh, best picture, musical or comedy? Cyrano, Don't Look Up. Tick, tick, boom. Licorice Pizza, West Side Story. All right. And best performance by an actress in a drama motion picture. Jessica Chastain, Olivia Coleman, Nicole Kidman, Lady Gaga, and Kristen Stewart. That is a tough one. Ah, there it is. Hey, little lady. How you doing? What's your cat's name? Aw. Aria Stark Beckwith. I love <laughs> it. Aria Beckwith. Oh, I wish drone. my cat would let me. My cat won't sit in my lap. Not a lap cat, huh? Mm-mm, it's no. only because Martin's on there. She loves Martin. Aww. She does. <laughs> Best motion picture drama. <laughs> Belfast, Coda, Dune, King Richard, and Power of the Dog. I've only seen uh, Coda out of these, uh, and Dune. Um, Chachi, you've seen King Richard. Yeah. Which is this, which is this, are these are the best drama film? I don't know. King Richard? King Richard, you think is better than Dune? Oh, yeah. no. Oh, yeah, come on. Absolutely. I didn't see it, but okay. I, I would think that people are probably... Listen, listen this, is, this is what, the Golden Globes? The Golden Globes, yeah. They're trying to make good now, remember? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It doesn't matter like, what really is going to be the best film. If it's even close, you're, they're going to yeah. get the nod. 
to uh, under, they underrepresented gotta, they gotta member of the community or whatever you want to call them. Right. I mean, just to try to save face, but well, not saying that Will Smith doesn't to what the win, saying, deserve the win. Listen to what you're saying. You're saying yeah. you're asking is. King Richard, a better drama than Dune? Is that the question? Yeah, they're in the same category. <laughs> it makes no sense. It's <laughs> King Richard, <laughs> which is about a dramatic story about two daughters struggle <laughs> to poverty to become the best in the world of tennis. And Dune, people fighting in the desert. What do you mean? <laughs> like, what is, what is, it's a kind of a no-brainer here. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, we'll see which way the, the uh, HPFA, the Hollywood Foreign Press, goes. As you know, it's all the power's in their hands. It's not us voting for them, you know? And uh, TV actor in a comedy series, Anthony Anderson, Nicholas Holt, Steve Martin, Martin Short from Only Murders in the Building, Jason Sudeikis, Ted Lasso. Um, I mean, Ted Lasso, you know, Jason Sudeikis has been winning all the awards for the comedy award, you know. That and Only Murders was really Only Murders is super popular, just got renewed. Sadly, I have not seen Ted Lasso yet, guys. I know it sounds kind of. Really I have not. I have not tuned in yet. Am I missing out? Is Ted Lasso that good? good? I really enjoyed it. It's a good show, and it's a feel-good show. Like it's like yeah, it's a- and it's funny. Right, right. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much. I mean, I skipped some of the categories. I mean, Are you sure? Are yeah. they? Are they <laughs> televising this? That. No, so that's the thing. They are not televising because they, they got canceled. Got they're canceled. still going to select their winner. Yeah, but they're just probably going to post their winner, yeah. uh, you know, online. You know, that's all they're going to do. So there's no how award bad, show. How, how mad would you be if, like, the year you won a Golden Globe is, like, yeah. a whole year, like, you didn't get to be on stage. It's like, I know. That kind of sucks. No, hold on. Wait. Sing it on the internet. Yeah. No, don't say that because my Wonder Woman 1984 red carpet premiere Got totally wiped out by car. Oh, uh, so thanks, Martin, for bringing up uh, old no. wounds there, buddy. <laughs> Welcome. I so know. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the Golden Globes. Um, oh, yeah, motion picture, animated motion picture. Why not? Because I know, Morgan, you love those Disney movies. Three Disney movies. Ryan the Last Dragon, Luca, and Encanto. Uh, going going up against Flea and the Sunny Mad, uh, I think Disney will probably win this one uh, based on those. Uh, but which one of those three was the strongest? I mean, I haven't seen Encanto, but uh, mm-hmm. I I liked Luca, but I think Raya was a little bit better. Raya the Last Dragon. Mm-hmm. Really good. Like, I, I did like Encanto. It's, it's Encanto, right? Encanto. But, uh, Encanto. Oh yeah. That's about the house, right? Uh, that's the one that's in the in the theaters now. The new the new Disney movie. Yeah, I saw it. It was really good. I I, I liked it. So. Yeah, I think a lot of people have said it's really good. I've, all the reviews have been very favorable. So. Loved it. Well, I, I I haven't seen the other ones, the other ones but I did. Cool. Man, that's too bad. Yeah. Um. Uh, let's see. I, I'm at the end, guys. We always end with that's, rest in peace shout outs. Yeah. Um, 
Okay. So these are us, um, those that are no longer with us. Um, Anne Rice, influential author of Interview with the Vampire. Oh, wow. uh, passed away on Saturday due to complications from a stroke. And you know, she just um, signed a deal with AMC of all of her her um, her library, entire library of oh, Anne wow. Rice novels has been uh, bought up by AMC. Oh, so wow. So you're going to see Lives of the Mayfair Witches, which is the next um, series that's going to be on AMC. That's Anne Rice's. And also um, the Vampire Chronicles later. All the vampire stuff. Do I need to get my, my representation on that shit? I get called up for vampire stuff left and right. <laughs> there you go. You got to put in your uh, feelers to AMC. Anne Rice has like 18 vampire novels, man. There's a lot to work with out there. <laughs> There's a lot. Yeah, but it's so sad that she passed away. I'm sure she probably would have had more um, say but, into her projects, input yeah. in her projects yeah. had she not passed away. And one of my favorites was with the late Aaliyah, uh, Queen of the Damned. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. My hometown girl. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's from she, she, she went to like the, the rival high school. She was like two years off me. Oh, no shit. Wow. Okay. That was how tragic was that, man? That was one of the celebrity uh, passions that really, really just just broke my heart, man. Now really did. Yeah. And her and she she would have been a, a superstar today had Aaliyah yeah. not passed oh, away. Absolutely. I mean, oh, definitely. Was, absolutely. Yeah, you know, she was crushing it early, right? She was like right. way ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, R. Kelly was crushing her early, but yeah, you're uh, right. I knew it. I knew, I knew you. Uh, uh, uh. That was coming. <laughs> it happened uh, so fast, too. Like, that was the weirdest thing. Like, uh, people knew who she was around town, but she wasn't big. Like, you know, like she was like at high school parties. And then, like, nine months later, like MTV videos. I'm like, what? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, we also lost Carol Williams, one of the. Last remaining actresses in Hollywood's golden age. There's not many of the golden age of Hollywood left. She was 96 years old. She was in The Defiant Ones. Um, also, Lena Wertmuller, the first woman to score Best Director nomination at the Academy Awards. Um, she uh, passed away at the age of 93 in Italy. Um, also, the creator of the Super Nintendo and the Nintendo NES... Oh, yes. Uh, Masayuki Omura passed away at the age of 78. Um, man, that, that's... The man that, revolutionized, revolutionized video games, the whole right? industry. Right. Oh, my God. How many hours I spent on those two systems. Right? Yeah. Which I, well, you know, but you know, he wasn't... You know who the inventor of video games was, though, right? Never mind. Never okay. mind. We're going to mourn him. You're right. Okay, yeah. we should we should we should take away any of the steam, right, from us. I don't want to, right. I don't want I don't want to go into that, but yeah. <laughs> we're, we're talking about I it during think... Black History Month in February. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I still think it's the best yeah, he, um, systems ever. Yeah, he, yeah, exactly. He called it Famicom in 1981. What's mm. everyone's favorite um, NES game? Anybody uh, have a favorite Ooh, NES game or, or Super Nintendo? Yeah, that's so hard. Those are yeah. different. Those are very different mediums. Right. I yeah, I would have to say NES was was me was Mike Tyson's Punch Out. That was a great game. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, my favorite my favorite NES game was Zelda Two: The Adventures of Link. Oh great, great yeah. Game. It yeah. was epic. 
For me, Mega Man. Great game. Mega Man 2. Yeah, I didn't. Mega Man 2, I played a lot. Um, um, Metroid. What was it? What was it? Metroid, yeah. Metroid Metroid was on both systems. Castlevania was great. Castlevania 2, jeez. Even the first Zelda was great. You gone? Yeah. All right, My husband Metroid. and son were just talking about Mega Man. Yeah. Oh, Mega Man is so good. Mega Man, but... but the Super Mario Brothers, one, two, and three, like iconic. Mm-hmm. I, never really I would say Nintendo. one and three, two was very different style. It was very it was different. weird. Well, right? Two, two was actually not was not a Super Mario game. It was actually mm. a different game in Japan. It was kind of like a um. It's kind of like a, an Aladdin type of game. That's why you see a lot of like flying carpets and stuff on that game. Ah, it actually was an Aladdin game, that. and they changed it because the Super Mario 2, the real Super Mario 2 in Japan, was very close to Super Mario 1. And you can get that game. It's called the Super Mario Lost Levels. It's yeah. almost kind of like it's almost it's like a direct sequel to Part 1 with the same oh, looking feel, okay, but it's harder okay. levels. They have actual mushrooms that come out that are poisonous that, you, that sometimes that will kill you if you touch it as opposed to make you big and like um i had a friend who i was with who we played it and he beat it and it was some very hard jumps like like much harder jumps you know with like pits and like one little block you had to jump on it's a very very super hard game which is probably why they didn't release it over here it's too hard but yeah super mario 2 um over here that came out um very hard game to buy when it first came out like you know pre-internet you know you had to really like find a store that had it and track it down you know before ebay and wait in like line that. right <laughs> wait in line, line store. yeah oh my god I, I still love that game <laughs> morgan is like if y'all nerds don't y'all geeks yeah. don't I shut just, up she looked like she's literally dying in front of us right now she's what? like god I, kill me now <laughs> like <laughs> i had regular nintendo like i had nintendo one and that was it yeah right. so. nes yep yeah. So Duck Hunt, Duck Hunt and uh, Mario 1 or whatever. I don't... Yeah. I played yeah. Sega. Sega. Oh, you're a Sega girl. <laughs> you're an Altered Beast fan. Sonic, uh, Sonic fan. Um, also, we lost Steve Bronski, co-founder and keyboardist of Bronski Beat, the British act from uh, the 80s. Um, small Town Boy. Um, yeah, hit that song. perfect beat. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That would so, have been a cut. You know, if it wasn't a Christmas season. If it was a Christmas season, that would have been the choice. Yeah. And of course, with death, we always have to celebrate life for those that are above ground. So, happy birthday to the following. <laughs> Actor Don Johnson is 72. Wow. Uh, yeah. Melanie Chartoff. Uh, we actually had Melanie on Below the Belt show from Parker Lewis Can't Lose. Damn. And she's a voice on Rugrats. Yeah, she's 71. Yeah. Um, Helen Slater, the original Supergirl. Supergirl. She's 58. She's 58. Um, uh, Paul K from Game of Thrones is 57. Um, Garrett Wang from Star Trek Voyager is 53. Uh, Stuart Townsend from Queen of the Damned, which we just talked about, is 49. Uh, Jeff Stoltz from Grace and Frankie is 45. Adam Brody from the OC is 42. Mm-hmm. Michelle Dockery from Downton Abbey is 40. Uh, Camilla Luddington from Grey's Anatomy is 38. And Maude Apatow and Judd Apatow's daughter from Euphoria knocked up. She's 24. That's birthdays uh, today. Um, that That's the end of the Hollywood uh, 
the report. So this has uh, been the uh, penultimate Christmas show on BTB. Um, and of course, uh, we are ending with one more show next week before we say goodbye and kick 2021 in the nuts. And hopefully 2022 will be a much better year. We're still hopefully, hopefully seeing the end of COVID in 2022. Let's yeah. let's fingers crossed. You never know. But um, yeah. And next week is our um, Koki Memorial Christmas show. Yes. Yes. Our Koki Memorial Christmas show, our ultimate Christmas show. It's going to be a free for all um, for those that can join us on a special night, Tuesday, December 21st. So um, um, let's just say goodbye. And uh, until next week from the holiday panel tonight, we have the king of the 80s, Chachi McFly. Yeah. We have Martin Lopez, the once and future king, the last Numenorian, one true night. Thank you for uh, <laughs> the monitors. <laughs> We have Morgan Fabulous. She is Daenerys herself. Every Daenerys catchphrase. Queen of the Andals. Queen of the Umboat. Breaker Shades. Also Miss LST. Miss Lightskin Talent. Uh, <laughs> she's also known as Your Grace. Bow down before Morgan Fab. Yes, thank you for having me. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Peace. <laughs> and, and fellow Filipina. Great mom, the adorable one, Allie Dash. Thanks for coming back. Of course. Aww. And of course, last but not least, a surprise guest joining us, the mm-hmm. Cal Drogo of the DMV, member of the SWAT team, and from the hood to Hollywood, he is Lion Beckwith. Yes, and I will get back to my uh, activities. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we'll show y'all that I have one, no underwear, no I'm joking. <laughs> oh I'm glad it, it fizzled out. I have, the, uh... <laughs> I have not been hitting these keys with my fingers, damn it. Allie's blushing. <laughs> now, she, she was talking about orgies earlier on. She's not as innocent as Oh, you were talking about oh. orgies? <laughs> the book. In the TV oh, show you Saga, up, you were you were like, talking it's about a graphic working. novel. Look up like Saga, and you'll get what I'm what I mean by like the graphic. Oh, don't try novel. to fix it now, it's buddy. So <laughs> it's such a good. You it's so good. Dirty McNasty, you. <laughs> All right. Um, and before we wrap, if everyone um has any projects to promote, please promote away. Allie, Martin, Morgan, Fab, Chachi McFly, Lion. I know Lion's always got something to promote. I, I told you I'm about to promote this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but, but on a serious note, Lion, you got some cool shit coming up. Yeah, I do. I do. Got- it's not about me. It's about the Christmas spirit and you guys. I just came in by accident. <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. Literally. You came by accident? Literally? <laughs> The line is, is nonetheless great to have you. Congrats on the recent We Own This City, Appreciate HBO, it. which is a that's a big, big series, a big deal. So it's really awesome. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Martin Lopez, more Morgan Fab. You you got a, you got the Hollywood Smash. Congratulations. Well, we, we talked about that earlier, but I yeah. know. But please, we can plug it again, Holly. Smash with Smash Entertainment with our friend Chad Morton. Yes. Um, 
As of now, we've been filming on Tuesday, so I, I believe they'll be posting them on their YouTube channel on Wednesdays, so every other week. So we, we posted the one this week, so not so so not next week, but the week after. Okay. So, yeah. Look forward. Martin Alley Dash, anything to promote or plug? Uh, not yet. I got uh, there's two projects I'm working on with uh, Sophia Pellegrino. One's a Christmas movie, but love Sophia. Awesome. Uh, great, great girl, and uh, she's quite often my on-screen, you know, love interest. So I feel like we're kind of always dating. But uh, yeah, that's that's what we got. Those those projects don't have a whole lot of details just yet. All right, Josh McFly, King of the Eighties. See ya. All right. On behalf of all the panel, <laughs> we're gonna end tonight with a pre-recorded interview from an amazing actress and a good friend, Rebecca Kennedy. Check out our new film. It's a drama film called Los Angeles, shot in Los Angeles. Uh, no surprise there. Rebecca Kennedy, her co-star, Anthony Bonaventura, and the director, Mitch Temple. We'll close out tonight's show, guys. So on behalf of everybody here, we'll see you guys on the Christmas show. So uh, until then, we will see you guys next week. Until then, peace. peace. All right, guys. Al Soto here, Below the Belt Show special interview time. Uh, had to get a good friend of ours back on Below the Belt Show, actress extraordinaire Rebecca Kennedy. She's got an amazing film to promote that's available on demand at all your favorite platforms, including Amazon. Uh, it's a film called Los Angeles. Among Rebecca, we have Mitch Temple, the writer and director. As, yes! Woohoo! And we also have Tony, Tony uh, on the line as well. Tony uh, Bonaventura. Hey, Paisan. Hey, Good to have you, Paisan. <laughs> Thank you All so right. much for having us. Absolutely. Yes. I wanted to watch the film this morning, so it was fresh in my mind. But um, you know what? Such a wow. It's it's, it's art. It's um, it's drama. It's it, it captures so many. There's some comedic aspects to this film. And most importantly, it's a very unique story. So uh, let's start with the story. First of all, Mitch, if you could tell us a little bit about what um, went behind the script um inspirations for the story um again very unique uh very cool crazy film uh that i really really enjoyed yeah so um i grew up in a small town um in the central part of of california called merced which uh rebecca and tony know know pretty well at this point they spent a lot of their time there um and we shot it there we shot a little bit here in los angeles and and then we um we shot a lot of the, the the scenes in Merced in my hometown, kind of faking that as that that trip across the South. And um, I guess Tony's character was the, the one who was kind of most inspired by um, guys who I saw growing up. You know, it wasn't a, it, it was um, wasn't it an easy place to live, you know, growing up. It was for me, but it wasn't for everybody. About 50 percent of the counties on welfare and. Um, a lot of poverty in that area, but surrounded by these beautiful agricultural areas and, and you know, kind of picturesque vistas on the way to the Sierra Nevadas and all that kind of stuff. So it's got that kind of tinge of, of beauty and kind of um, roughness and edge to it. Um, and Tony kind of knocked it out of the park as far as um, the type of person who kind of grew up on the fringes of, of that place and, and was marginalized 
um, in that in that town and in our culture um, and has that kind of heart of gold. And um, Jojo's character is a little bit probably more based on, you know, I grew up Catholic. My mom's really devout Catholic. She I know what that's like. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, she, Bless uh, me, Father, for I have sinned. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So my mom sent the, sent the three of us. I got an older sister and an older brother, and, and she sent the three of us to Catholic school, and she's she saw the movie and she's asked for a refund. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so she wants her cut, cut of the post of the that's right. film. <laughs> so a lot of that kind of ideology and symbology um, uh, of how I was raised um, can kind of be seen through that Jojo character um, and, and what she brings that type of um, innocent abroad, so to speak. Um, uh, and then, you know, I can't, you, you saw it, you saw Rebecca yourself as far as like, that's a weird, that's a tough, you know, I, I, she has no lines. Right. And so for her to have, for her to embody that, for her to be kind of incarnate of that kind of spirit and that type of, um, character was just phenomenal. Um, so I, you know, I, I can't thank these two enough for, for bringing hey, hey, Mitch. To life. Hey Mitch, can you hear me? Can you guys yeah, hear me? I got you. Yeah, we got yeah, it. it's it's uh you know it's really amazing about what Rebecca did with JoJo because you know we all know well we've all seen the, if we've seen the film we know that right. yes it was written she has no lines but she says the most throughout the whole film and I you know watching it you know when you when you shoot it you kind of forget the how the scenes played out you you forget a lot not that you want to forget it but you just life happens and you kind of forget what you shot. And when I watched it again, you know, to see this, you know, I mean, look at her face. It's just she's got this like precious face always. Uh, <laughs> it's amazing because she's in horror movies. And with <laughs> yeah. when she told me that, I couldn't believe it. I was like, what? I was like, like I'm known for a different genre. I was like, yeah. An angelic face that is like the devil. Yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. But what, but what I was saying is, you know, she says her character said, and so does Rebecca, because Rebecca is definitely in JoJo, uh, without any doubts, I believe. And, you know, she says so much throughout the film. And it's really, uh, you know, there's this, you know, there's always like, if, there's a twinkle in her eyes when she says things with her, she doesn't really speak with her hands, even though she does, but she says so much with her face. And it was a real treat to work with her. And, you know, I, my hat's off to her because I, you know, thankfully I did have lines. Because <laughs> I, I don't know how I would be able to uh, express everything that she does throughout. Well, well I, yeah, well, let's, let's get the audience a little up to speed on the synopsis of the film, um, your characters, um, because I definitely want to dive a little deeper into the, the non-speaking mute character of Jojo, but uh Mitch or Rebecca, you want to take it away on a little, little synopsis of what we're looking at in Los Angeles. Rebecca, why don't you? We've talked too much. <laughs> no, you're good. Uh, well, I'm just going to read it right off the thing because I think it's, it, it sums it up perfectly. Los Angeles is the story of Jojo, a young mute, who thinks she hears God calling her to save the baby Jesus. She packs up five angels in a shoeshine kit and takes a one-way trip, trip to Tampa, Florida, where she's picked up by Cash, an escaped convict. The two hit the road with the FBI on their tail. And what happens next? You have to watch to find out. Wow. All right. So <laughs> let's just go into this JoJo character, Rebecca. How did you prepare for this particular character? Um, and uh, what are the challenges of portraying a deaf character? I mean, everything 
all your emotion has to be done with your hands and your facial features uh, without speaking. Does it become a little more difficult? I mean, obviously, I know you played, you know, characters have been abducted, drug addicts, crazy characters uh, <laughs> uh, in your career. But uh, what went behind uh, preparing for this role? Uh, yeah, so I want to point out that she's not deaf, just for anyone that's listening. Um, she can hear. She just is, is uh, chooses not to speak. So I just want to make that di differentiation for anyone that hasn't seen the film yet. Um, and I also want to uh, thank you to Mitch and Tony for your kind words. Um, obviously, I feel the same about you, which I want to talk about later. Um, as far as preparation goes, you know, we <laughs> this question is asked a lot, which is a great question. And honestly, the preparation wasn't any different than any other character. I still had to do all the actor stuff that you know, we love to do, um, you know, all the answering all the questions about who am I, where am I, what do I want, uh, my objective, all of that stuff doesn't change. It's just more, which we should be doing anyway as actors, listening. That <laughs> um, I think sometimes when when we have lines, we forget. Um, it, sometimes it turns into like waiting for your line. Um, but this character, because I didn't have any, I really had to listen a ton more than I sometimes forget to remember to, um, because that's all I had was listening to Tony, listening to the different characters, um, which Tony, you know, he should give himself a ton of credit because working with him was so lovely. It was, it was so easy um, just to kind of do whatever I wanted to do. And he, he would feed off that. He was, he was wonderful to work with. Um, yeah. You know, it's just, it's not much different. Did, did you take away her lines now, Al? I know. Oh, yeah. Can, you just can went. Can you not hear can, me? You we got you, JoJo. Now. We got you now. Oh, yeah, so you weird. became I'm JoJo sorry. for a slight yeah. second. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know where I where I cut off. <laughs> I think you so pretty much covered uh, that, yeah, that aspect. Yeah, the last bit. The last yeah, no, bit. I, no, I was just saying I wish I had some um, some clever response um, to that question, but it's it's more or less just figuring out, you know, what what she wants and listening and, uh, you know, responding with with the face and the body. Right. Okay. And what was the decision not to do ASL? What, why, uh, why was JoJo's character not well versed in American Sign Language? Out of curiosity. It, it, it goes. It goes to her um, stubbornness and and okay. her uniqueness. And it's a good question, Al, because um, you know I'm not sure you know, on your show how much of the plot you want to cover, but there's a tricky kind of situation with JoJo's character and and what mm -hmm. she goes through. Okay. And the, the uh, kind of the spine of the story has to be Jojo's willful willfulness. Um, and if and if Rebecca didn't pull that off with that stubbornness and that sense of will and that, you know, personal authenticity beyond anything else, then the, the movie collapses 100 percent. There's there's some moral ambiguities and ambivalences that that uh, Rebecca was able to pull off because she kind of embodied that willfulness of somebody who says, no, I don't want your language. I make up my own language. I don't want to, I do what I want to do. Um, and I, I walk this path, my, I walk my own path, my own way, you know, whether it's her caretaker, whether it's cash or whether it's anybody else that she comes across that type of, um, that type of character for, for, sorry for the, the pun, but that type of, you know, character in her, was critical to the story. Wow. And let's uh, talk a little bit about Tony's character. Uh, Cassius, Cash, Littlefield, escaped convict. What was your crime, Cassius? 
<laughs> oh man, the list is long. Uh, I think I think there were some car thefts in there, and okay. uh, some just you know what? That's the funny thing is you know you ask about Cash's uh, you know past crimes, and I you know I always saw Cash as this kind person, um, stupid, and got mixed up with the wrong <laughs> things, and I think you know Mitch going back to uh, how this whole conversation started, he was talking about Merced and I've never been to Merced before and, until I met him and we went up there and, and, and shot it. But I could see what he was speaking of, uh, you know, but the, I think cash, he's not a, I don't think he's a mean person. I think he's kind and his kindness has gotten him into trouble and also his stupidity and his lack of, you know, money his lack of education. You know, I mean, I mean, let's face it, Cash is not the brightest bulb in the bunch. Right. But I think but I think he always had good intentions, if that makes sense, even though he does have a rap sheet, you know. Okay. Cash was clever enough to know that Jojo was helping him escape, <laughs> you know, from getting to city to city. So let, let's talk about this uh, pretty much this goose chase between uh, the FBI and uh, Jojo and Cash. You start in Tampa. And then you go to New Orleans, Austin, Nashville, Albuquerque, Phoenix, and then the West Coast, San Diego, Los Angeles. Um, I'm not sure. Were you actually doing this uh, in those actual cities, or were you able to somehow create the feel of different cities in the uh, movie Chicago? magic? Man. Movie, movie magic. magic. That's what I. Okay. That's right. <laughs> so all those were locations in Merced. Um, yeah. You know the barbecue pit there. We got there with the with the pig that um, she's praying to. That's. That's um, that's Tampa. You know, we got uh, the branding irons fakes out as Austin. We got. Oh, and it fits so well. <laughs> yeah, right. It looks like Texas. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is Texas. Oh, yes. yeah. I was yeah. told that was Austin, Texas, no doubt. Uh, yeah, so that was, you know, and, and that's also, I, you know, that I, I, I want to say thank you to the people and the places of and the businesses of, of Merced. And Tony pointed this out a number of times, man. He was like look, these people are in your corner, man. And, and you can feel that love that they have to just, you know, say, okay, you know, it, it's like hospitality um, that, you know, they gave us all those locations for free and, you know, we had no kind of no location budget. So, um, and, oh, wow. and we pulled it off, you know, those places look beautiful because they are real places. You know, you feel the texture of those places because, you know, I've probably had a thousand drinks in the branding iron bar, you know, like, um, <laughs> so and and the and the, the and RC is another business owner there in Merced and he's got a couple of bars and he let us into one that faked as as New Orleans and and then I said hey man you look too good to be always behind the camera can you be behind the cash register of this one scene in this mini mart he's like okay I'll give it a shot um, so he appears you know one of the location owners appears later on um, opposite Tony is Tony's buying a couple of grape sodas. Wow so some of the casting had to do with just the the, the business owners of the bartenders from these establishments. Which Man, is pretty interesting. Yeah, you make what you can when you're yeah. filming in 16 days or whatever we shot it in. And, and um, you know, these two are pros, right? And and you saw it on screen, but, you know, we have a, a it's a, it's a kind of a big ensemble for a run and gun feature. So I leaned on about, so I have a producing partner in Merced named Joe Brown and Joe Brown he wrangled about 33% of the cast from people who he, he he's he's doing theater with on a regular basis. Oh, so, wow. okay. you know, they, he, he's, and the casting process in LA was brutal. 
right? It's just brutal to be an actor. You know, it always is. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Can we talk about the casting journeys for Rebecca and Tony for landing your roles? <laughs> well, from my I'm perspective, all... it was easy, but I can't speak for Mitch. Um, I, I knew the casting director, uh, Kelly, he uh, called me up and was like, I have this script that I think you would love, uh, please audition. And so I was like, I read it and I was like, I'm in. I thought it was so weird and quirky and beautiful and interesting. Yeah. And I thought JoJo was the same and I so desperately wanted to tell her story. So when I got to go into audition, I was I was thrilled. And then I was I was cast. So it was really kind of relatively easy for my, my end of it. Wow, almost handpicked. <laughs> Well, no, but I mean, well, I mean, well, as soon as she, as, as soon she it, came but... in the room, it was over. I mean, it was, <laughs> wow. it was pretty close. You know, there was there was some debate with other characters. Um, I think Tony, there was there was one other guy that that um, was was a regular on TV, and and it was kind of between him and this other guy, and my brother and I. So so Kelly Knox cast um, um, a. a the lead some about a handful of the lead roles and it's again and he's he's like hey listen with your budget i can't you got a lot of people in here let me just cast these kind of half dozen lead roles that you got and then um you know so my brother was helping me out on you know once kelly's contract was done he's like good luck i mean good luck so i had to get the merced players from joe right. joe cast the merced players and then it was um by the time we we had to i it was Tony's roles, this other guy who was regular on TV and he was, boom, he was polished and he's good. And then my brother and I were just captivated. And my brother's like, man, you could hang a whole film on that dude's eyes. He's like, that dude's just got charisma coming out of him. He's like, I don't think he reads your script, but like, he, he's, and, and Tony did take most of my lines as suggestions <laughs> as we were shooting. Okay. Um, but you oh, can't. Cool. You know, I was talking to him earlier today. You can't fake talent, man. He's just got it. He's just got it coming out of him. This talent. Um, yeah. Stop. So. Yeah, it made uh, it really easy to act off of. I mean, that's you know they say like making a film is like ninety nine percent casting, and it's like if you cast well, then the work is the work is there. The work is done. I just had to show up and look and pay attention. Wow. But can I add something to that, Al? I mean, yeah, absolutely. The, the, I think the 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 movie. You know, so I I. I cut a version of this and then had to go back and do pickups and the, the defining element between the pickups when I was showing this rough cut to people, they're like, it's, you got, everything's on them, right? Cause it's a sprawling story. It's got a lot of these other char characters and they've got kind of subplots going along and they're like, get rid of all that, get back to them because the chemistry between these two. So, and I think that's something that, that should be, um, pointed out specific to these two actors because I could cast somebody to play Jojo who's right and I could cast somebody to play Cash who's right but if those two don't have that chemistry that these two people brought to each other for each other and you know like that type of camaraderie that they had and uh, and Al, I'll be honest like they had it they made it they did it themselves and I was part of it and got to witness and camera guys right there too but that was not you can't you can't mix those ingredients. They had they did that themselves, and I feel like you see their chemistry together between their those two actors and and the love and the care they had for each other's effort and role. And I think that that's the magic that we all got treated to, myself included. It's just like woof. 
um, that that can't be willed. I have to agree with you. I have to agree with you. The the chemistry is off the charts, and uh, just the two of you just work so well together. Yeah, best acting tandem. Do you mind, <laughs> do you mind, uh, do you mind if I piggyback off of what Mitch just said? Yeah. So yeah, you know the the biggest thing for me, uh, more so not the casting stuff, but more so working with Rebecca, and you know I don't think a lot of people understand uh, sometimes how it is. Uh, when you are working on location with a not a lot of time, not not a big budget. I mean, one of the things Mitch told me when I did get the part was he sold his house and all of the money is going towards this film. So that put a little bit of pressure. Uh, oh, wow. That put a little bit of pressure on, I think, both of us. I don't know if he told Rebecca that, but he definitely told I, me I that. I found out after. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> so there was so there was that pressure along with just you know everything else. But uh, the one thing I always wanted, the first and foremost, was for Rebecca to trust me uh, in every second of every scene that we worked together. And that started out, you know, before we even started acting. I mean, you have to trust the person you're in the scene with, and you have to trust your self enough to be vulnerable to allow yourself to be vulnerable around them and you know I, I don't know how Rebecca feels about this but she allowed me to definitely be vulnerable in the times when I either thought I needed to be or she would you know kind of pull me to the side and like nudge me and say hey this is where you need to you know like you know bring it and and I, I valued that, you know, I learned a lot working with her, actually, uh, in front of the camera and behind the camera. I mean, she is uh, an, an, act, an actress's actress, for sure. Wow. Those are awesome. Those are awesome words. Wow. Look at that support, Rebecca. Wow. Well, same, because you, like you said, you do, <laughs> have, you do have to feel safe. If you don't, uh, there is a wall that goes up and you can see it. You can feel it. It doesn't like Mitch talked about the chemistry, you can't have it if you don't trust the other person. And and like Mitch said, looking, just looking in his eyes, he has beautiful eyes, just really nice eyelashes, which I looked at a lot during the filming. Because, <laughs> you know, my coach is always like, if you don't know the person, find something immediately that you love about them before you know them. And it was like, he has amazing eyes. I will just look there. Okay. <laughs> Mitch, well, did it cross you. your mind for the characters to fall for each other? Yeah, it did. You know, that's, you know, it's a few, I wrote and rewrote and, um, the script at least a dozen times. Um, oh, interesting. Okay. and there's, and, and there, and there is that kind of idea, right? Like, should they fall in love? Um, and, um, I just felt like that, that would have been kind of an easy, um, default and what, what, other type of relationship could be more interesting and 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 who's to say they don't fall in love but does it have to look like a romantic fall in love like don't like if you don't think that these characters love each other by the end of the film then i failed but it doesn't look like fall in love like oh and now we have a budding relationship and let's move into apartment and split rent you know like it right. doesn't have to look you know that i think they love each other um, but I didn't, I just wanted to, pl I didn't want it to kind of fall into that, that kind of oh, romantic trap. 
Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the in this situation with these two uh, characters that are just completely opposites, but also very much alike with their views of the world, I think their views of uh, their own kind of powers that they possess within themselves and how they share that, how they decide to share that with the world. Um, and even if you're bad, you still have powers, by the way, <laughs> but because Cash is a lot more bad than uh, Jojo. But I think, you know, in this situation, a trust is was more important than love. Um, and if you don't have trust, then you you certainly uh, in any kind of relationship. I never saw it as a romantic, you know, uh, Hallmark TV relationship with Jojo. I always saw it as, and, you know, and this goes back to even my, my truth, you know, Tony, is I, I had to earn her trust and I wanted more than anything for her to trust me. And I think at the end of the film, you know, when these two characters, they finally separate from each other, um, you know, I think maybe the audience, at least I was, you know, I'm left scratching my head is like, well, will, will these two people ever see each other again? And whether they, they do or not, I would without a doubt say that they left the biggest impression on each other's lives if they never saw yeah. each other again. Yeah. And that's, I got... that, that's the relationship I, I okay. felt. Okay. Yeah. And I, well, I, I got I got to credit Rebecca real quick because yeah. and he, you know she's saying I am I'm, I'm going. And her caretaker Samson's like am I ever going to see you again? And she's like I don't know and she and he's like where are you going? And she says I don't know. Oh, did I spoil it right there Al? You can cut no, that. No, no, that's okay. No. I <laughs> but I, I, just, I wasn't sure how far we could get into the spoilers, uh but I did want to talk about the angels. I want to, I want to, but I do want to say that. So then we, we do an insert shot of um, the bottle, the bottle cap. Right. And, and Tony, you know, Tony's got, a, you know, Tony's a grape soda or, or cash. His character is a grape soda um, aficionado. Um, and, and it's Rebecca who said, Hey, listen, I want a shot of that bottle cap, you know, cause he's, he's buying those grape sodas. And I want to, I want a shot of that to kind of show, you know, what's in her heart as she embarks on this new chapter of her life. So, you know, hats off to, to her writing that scene. Mostly, you know, she's between the two of them. She's the one who is like, all right, how do I, how do I, you know, like, let's go with the script and, and how do we make this the best? Tony's the one who's like script. <laughs> did, did, did somebody say script? Um, well, because what's we, that? <laughs> we focused a lot and, and rightfully so on, the way that Jojo changed everybody else's life. And she did, everyone she met was a different person um, by meeting her. And I felt like at the end, her life had been changed by Cash. And that was the way, one way I could show it um, was that some, he was someone that she would not forget um, because he did have, and an, an, you know, something, he meant something to her for sure. Well, I guess this might be a little bit spoilerish, but I was curious on, uh, what what the angels did specifically to the audience that captivated uh, them, and by doing so, weren't able to properly divulge your whereabouts in some cases. How how did that how did that happen? I, I you know I'm hoping Al that you know you ask the three of us that question and the three of us would all have their own answers and and I think that's a little bit of what I'm hoping for from the audience. Is, okay. Is, you know, that that and I, I don't want to be vague about it. I want to get specific from from my perspective. And I hope other people kind of venture and are vulnerable about their perspective. Yeah. As well. um, but, you know, like like I said, um, 
you know, my, my background had, you know, there was a lot of, of religion that was about these kind of, you know, high octane dramatic miracles. Um, and that, you know, like, and then you, you know, part of my kind of journey or growth or trans transition or whatever was, was trying to re trying to reimagine what that looks like. Um, and, and what, what type of um, miracles we can find in the everyday. Um, you know, how people can, you know, how, how we can be touched by each other um, and, and what these moments are of beauty and wonder that we can find in this world, whether it's through art, through accident, through traveling or whatever. So um, it takes on, you know, I think that the angels, I hope, have that kind of subjectivity to them where, you know, like we leave it to the audience. You know, it's a, it's a no budget, no frills feature. So if there's any impact and power in the film, it's because that audience person who's who's watching it is bringing their imagination to it and bringing their subjective hope and, and wonder okay. to that piece. So that's kind of what those angels represent for me. It's like that, you know, which, what, what miracle you can bring just being in this universe. Wow, that, that was well said. Yeah, thank you. Um, now, the... Uh, I guess the the ending is a little open ended for a possible uh, sequel, uh, a follow up to the, the characters. Uh, how do you, how do you see it going as a possible? Hold on, before he answers about the sequel stuff, did you get another house yet? <laughs> <laughs> I'm only kidding. I'm only I gotta kidding. I got to sell this one, Tony. I got to <laughs> sell this one. My brother built. Hey, my brother built this house, Tony. No kidding. No, no kidding. He's gonna be pissed when I sell it to make yeah. a. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're ready. <laughs> okay. You, uh, so it's 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 uh, in consideration. You you could continue to oh, store these. Oh, we all love things. it. I think. I mean, we'd all love it, right? So this is, you know, yeah. we're all all of us are uh, all of us are artists. Um, but we're all artists, and we all I want to work with these two again. I'd love to, and and awesome. the way I I would imagine it, like I'd want to go back and forth in time. Okay. Um, you know, there's there's a story of of cash. Um, growing up and getting in the situation he's in and getting out of prison. There's a story of, of Jojo, you know, being raised by Samson and, and, you know, that kind of catalyst moment that, that puts her on this path. Um, and then there's a story that happens after this film. So there's, there's a broad continuum. And I think, you know, we're, we're I'm just trying to, you know, I've got a couple kids that I'm raising here in in, a, in Los Angeles uh, myself, and I got to answer those practical demands. But I think we're all trying to figure, to balance those practical demands and and those creative ambitions. Um, so, you know, I'd I'd love to get the resources to do a whole bunch. Um, all right. <laughs> awesome. Well. Go ahead, you know, Rebecca. No, I was just going to say, you know, uh, Mitch, not so much in this interview, but other other places I've talked about, you know, being harsh, hard conditions and, you know, it was a low budget. But, you know, looking back, I had just had such a great time. I had such a great time filming. I don't know. I loved playing Jojo so much and working with Tony and all the other actors and Mitch um, and our wonderful DP that I, I don't look back and think, oh, wow, that was really hard. I just look back and think, what an amazing experience and what a beautiful oh. story we told. That's amazing. Absolutely, I, I totally, totally concur. And, and I do want to, I, I do want to piggyback off what Rebecca just said. Uh, you know, I know it's just from the cast, it's just her and me, and obviously Mitch uh, today. But you know, this cast was, it was, um, it was a really special cast in different ways. And 
lately Mitch on uh, social media has been writing these little like dossiers about each actor and and it's it's just you know there was this yeah it was a beautiful connection on set but getting back to the least the, the talent of these other actors that are not with us right now is they they made us look better they yeah. made us sound yeah. better and they they you know because they talk about us and they they talk about and they're you know obviously this they, they stuck to the script of what <laughs> Mitch wrote and and they the you know with in their own scenes that you know when they do speak about us or you know what you know the film in general they you know I mean the one guy that was in the bar um you know he had that, that line he says something about a um a two bit con artist and and you know and the way he delivers that line though it's just it like, was good he it, was it's good. just so you know not that you want to judge a book by the cover but he definitely judged that book pretty damn well you know and that's you know obviously it's it starts with the script but you know he was such a phenomenal actor and you know everyone else that was involved with it i thought you know really brought their own thing and there was another actor that came on uh you know, just the last minute in, 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 you know, some kind of ways. And he played basketball with Mitch. And I think he was probably one of the most least experienced actors. And I'll tell you what, man, he brought it every single time he was on, on set. And I was really impressed with his professionalism as well. You know, because wow. Rebecca, you know, Rebecca's been doing this a long time. She's worked on really big sets on, you know, TV shows that we've all seen and heard of. And she's oh, yeah. Movies. And she's been on, the, she's been on, you know, I think for Rebecca coming down on an independent film that, you know, I don't want to say the budget, but it was uh, it was pretty low, um, especially for what the, the, the film looks like. I mean, you would never guess the, the oh budget yeah. judging on, you know, looking at, you know, looking at the film. But I think Rebecca, you know, she is used to a, a, a much bigger set, I, I believe. And, you yeah. know, people with a lot, lot more credits involved in their whatever position they are on the film and so i thought everyone really brought it and you know the, the i think that the thing with mitch that i appreciated the most was you know that you know he is a sports guy you know i mean he's a and it's weird because he's such an athlete and he loves sports but on the other side of that you know god doesn't really give people to you know, see that you get the sports gene or the, you know, athletic the creative gene, gene. Yeah. Or the creative gene. And right. you know, if, you've, if you've seen some of his paintings that he's painted, it's unbelievable. And I'm just like, you son of a bitch. How did you get, how did you get it both? <laughs> and then he's got that smile and he's got that nice gray hair coming in now. And he's, he's, we we and, probably gave it to him. Yeah. And he's a, yeah. he's a wonderful, he's a wonderful father and he, but he's a team player. And that's what really, you know, we both play sports and, you know, there was times when we kind of looked at each other on set, you know, like it's fourth quarter, you know, we got 10 seconds and we're down by two. Who's shooting the three? Like he gave me wow. those kind of looks on set. And, you know, they, it was pretty intense at times with him and me. Uh, you know, I don't know if the script had a part to do with it, but <laughs> we, um, we, we realized that about each other is that we're both very competitive, one. And, but we both played, you know, organized team sports, and you have to know how to play off each other. Yes, very good team effort. That's, like that's one of one of my good. favorite one of my favorite scenes was was very tense between me and Tony 
we were in this back alley of a church and we were losing light. Um, and, you know, so, so I'll j- just to jump into it. Um, it was, they were brutal working conditions from a time management and from, and also one of the things that you got to understand is like, one of the things Tony pointed out is also from a personal space, right? Like he was staying in the back right room of my mom's house and I was in the left room of my mom's house. You know, Rebecca's at my mom's friends, Teresa, who's adorable, but like they can't get away. You know, they can't decompress. They have to, they're putting their vulnerability on the line in front of camera. And then day in, day out, we're working these long days. And then I'm saying, hey, we need this scene, man. And Tony's like, well, you know what? Your script doesn't make sense here because I can't act anything that's not making sense. And I, and I looked at him and I was like, I didn't say this out loud, but I was like, shit, he's right. Wow. He's like, I already know this part and I'm asking this question. I wouldn't do that, it's my character. And now we got crew, we're, lo- you know, like it's 15 minutes. And I did, I, I gave him, it, it, was, it was like, hey, this is fourth quarter time. Like, I didn't, you, you don't have the script that you need. We have, we got maybe 10 more minutes of light. And he's like, all right, go like, and he kind of said like, you owe me one. Like you're giving everyone else time and you didn't give my character time right now. And it's a gorgeous scene and he plays it. And I've watched that scene a million times. And I'm trying to see, is he betraying it with any of his own personal emotions about frustration? Never. If you watch that scene, that back alley, and it's a $10 million shot because back off, there's this crack house that's been burnt out. (laughs) Wow. There's a train that goes right through the tape. We had one take and, and he killed it. And she yeah. has this lightness to her performance. And I was like, whoo, man, I didn't deserve that. No one deserves that type of grace and beauty in life. Um, but I'm thankful for it. Wow. Well, guys, wow. Thank you so much. This has been incredible to talk about Los Angeles. Please tell us where we can find the film. Well, you can find it on Amazon. Please not only, you know, watch it, um, but also leave some comments because, you know, art doesn't mean anything until we hear from the audience. Um, and, and like we were talking about before, it's subjective film. It's, it's an indie film, so it needs your, your heart and support. Um, but I would be remiss if before we signed off, Al, I can kind of feel it wrapping up here. We talked about the actors. We talked about what a tough production I mentioned my producing partner, Joe Brown, and I need to give yes. him tons of credits. But absolutely, there's a man and there's kind of a man, the central eye of the storm. And, I, and that pun's intended. Um, John DeFazio, who shot this. Um, and John is not just a, a, a cinematographer. He is your the, DP a collaborator on this film. Um, the look, the beautiful look, you know, Tony says it doesn't look like a low budget film. And that whole look is because of John DeFazio. Um, there's beauty painted frame by frame, um, because of that man. And just talk, you you know, Tony talked about trust with Rebecca. There's that trust that all of us had with John because we knew we were in good hands with John DeFazio. So I just want to make sure we get, go ahead. There are literally moments in the film when I, when I watched it, where I was like, I can't believe he caught that. Like I, I, we did it. And it's like, I didn't even, I was like, well, hopefully someone does because I'm just doing whatever I'm doing. And he caught he caught it. He caught every yeah. little nuance I did. And a lot of it was, you know, not, you know, because I'm not just here. I'm, I'm doing signs. I'm doing other things. And he caught everything. He's just, he's amazing. That is yeah, awesome. I would, yeah. I would, I would say without John, uh, we don't have Los Angeles playing on Amazon. That's right. Right now. You know, wow. 
Yes, and I alluded to that cinematography. Yeah. Yeah, you did. And yeah, so. I, I appreciated you you saying it early because you did say it was a beautifully shot film. Um, yeah, man. Yeah. That, that guy's everything. So now we know the source of that. So thank you so much, everyone. This has been incredible. Yes, Rebecca, I love having you on. You were recently on Station 19 as Melly Wyatt, the uh, I guess the drug <laughs> user uh, in that uh, amazing guest star episode. Oh, thank you. Congratulations so much. on. Uh, phenomenal performance in that episode thank you thank you i appreciate that, that was a lot of fun <laughs> absolutely and, and tony you, you got some great uh you know co-star guest star credits rookie swat zolly and isles animal kingdom yeah uh, which which one of, which one of those yeah which one of those tv uh performances is something that you're most proud of oh uh, most proud of uh, the rookie for sure the rookie um, at selby what's that as Selby, your character Selby. Oh yeah, I guess that was his name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't look at scripts, Al. He's like, I just read the script, but I'm sure it was great. <laughs> um, no, only because you know, and I and I'm completely serious when I say this. Uh, you know, all those other ones I've had fun with, and you know, everything I remember, everything, everything I do because I had to work to get it, and I value every every opportunity anybody's ever given me. Uh, on a film but with the rookie you know it was one of these things where you know you do this audition and you have a gun in your hand and you know I totally effed up on my first take in the audition where I made the sound with my you know I had put the gun out and I was like Psh! and I was like wait a second can we redo this please and, an audition. and they're like and they laughed and they're like yeah you know and I, I got the part but the thing that I was most proud of is you know, they, this guy, you know, the, the gun wrangler, he walks up to me and he hands me a gun. You know, it's an AR-15. And I've never, I'm not a gun person. I've, you know, I've never shot uh, AR-15 in my entire life. And, you know, the amount of, you know, responsibility that he had just given me, you know, was, and I, you know, obviously we, everything was fine. Nobody, you know, nothing happened, you know, of course, but, uh, it was one of those moments where I was just like, oh, my God, like this is a, you know, it was a real AR-15 and, um, you know, there's blanks and it's, you know, live fire and, you know, it, but it was one of those and it was like two days in a row and I fired, I don't know how many bullets or blanks I fired out of that gun, but it was uh, very uh, intense and, but there was just a low, loads amount of responsibility the moment he walked away and, you know, I have that in my hand and I will never forget it. Um, but, you know, when I was done after the first, you know, take or two, the, the gun wrangler came up to me. He goes, damn, boy, are you sure you never shot a gun like this? And I was like, yeah, no, I never have. He goes, well, damn, you, you sure look like you did. And I said, I watched Rambo. Many times. <laughs> there you go. And, yeah. Of course, but, you got to be yeah. really careful with all the news going on with Alec Baldwin and Rust, of course. But uh, looks like you handled it very well. Well, and you know, the the you know, I was working with professionals, and uh, yeah. you know, and we treated it uh, as such, and then some. You know. Oh wow! Well, thank you, Tony, for uh, yeah talking about that. So so thank you so much, everybody. Mitch, Thank Rebecca, you, Tony, um, before Thank you let's go, if you us. could throw out a promo, let us know who you are, a plug for Los Angeles, and let us know you're on Below the Belt show, uh, since we're in the holiday season, the holiday catchphrase, Merry Christmas, whatever you want at the end. Awesome. 
Go ahead. Rebecca, yeah. you first. Uh, Wait, oh, me yeah, first? No, first? No, now I forgot what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Hi, I'm Rebecca Kennedy. You can see our film Los Angeles now on Amazon. And officially tonight, starting tomorrow, it will be on Prime. So you don't even have to pay anything. You can watch it for free. Please leave a review if you love it. If you don't, don't. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you, can still, <laughs> you can still leave a review if you'd like. But especially if you love it, tell your friends. Uh, thank you so much, Al, for having us on Below the Belt. And hope everyone has a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Oh, that was beautiful. <laughs> All right, Tony I'll, and Mitch? I'll, I'll, I'll go. I'll let the director uh, send us off. Uh, hi, my name's Anthony Bonaventura. I play Cash in the film Los Angeles, directed by Mitch Temple, uh, starring Rebecca Kennedy and myself and uh, loads of other talent. Uh, I want to say thank you to Al Soto for having us on Below the Belt to talk about this truly, truly independent film. And if you support independent film in any kind of way, please uh, check it out. As Rebecca said, on Amazon, it'll be on Amazon Prime, I guess, at midnight, I think. And uh, thank you so much for listening. And I hope you enjoy the show. That's beautiful. And All right. I'm Mitch Temple. I'm, I'm the writer, director and producer of Los Angeles. I was lucky enough to work with these two beautiful people. Rebecca Kennedy is Jojo, um, Tony Bonaventura, as you say, Al, uh, as Cash. Um, <laughs> it, is it is available on, on um, yeah, Amazon. Like Rebecca said, please watch it, but also please let us know what you thought of it. Um, your opinion and, and perspective deeply matters and completes the art. So. Al, thank you for having us on Below the Belt because, um, our pleasure. as I mentioned before this call started, you know, it's not a perfect film, but it's got heart, but it takes people with heart um, to give it a look and, and to give it some appreciation, Al. So deeply appreciate you. Happy holiday season to you. And, and thanks to everyone else who makes Below the Belt happen. Nice. Thank you so much. Happy holidays, oh, yes. everyone. The great, it's a great Christmas, Christmas movie. It's a, it's a feel-good movie. Yeah. Right? yeah. It's, a, it's, a great, it's a great holiday film. It's a great feel-good movie if, you, if you're looking for that. Yeah. Cool. Christmas Angels, right? Christmas <laughs> Angels. Get Albert, <laughs> new marketing. <laughs> there you go. Put the angel on the, on the cover. There, you go. there we go. Right. Thank you so much. You guys have a great night. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Thank you so Merry much. Merry Christmas. Well, it has been a hell show tonight, and I think we have all learned some valuable lessons. This is your bot for the bad boys of Baltimore saying, until next time, keep chilling like a villain. Bye, 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 bye.